Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Parkscope Unprofessional Podcast Hour. My name is Joe, and joining me right now, right here, is Alan. Alan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm not there. I'm here. Yes. Just for clarification. We are uh, we are here in the more of the Jungian term of we are part of the collective unconscious. Yeah, and now is, of course, very relative to everybody, both yeah. listening and in the present. Um, but sure, let's go with it. I'm 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 here, I suppose, whatever that is. Yes. Uh how are you doing, man? Long time no talk. Uh my back hurts for reasons I honestly cannot conceive of a We're old at the moment. Uh, yeah, probably. Probably being like the oldest guy on Parkscope at a whopping thirty six doesn't help, but um No, I just got out of my car uh Sunday morning. When we got to Worlds of Fun, and my back just hurt. And I was like, well, this sucks. And it's never gone away. So I don't know what that is. And uh, if anyone knows how to get some Norcos, uh, feel free to message me on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> They'll be washed out of my system in 48 hours. So Everything will be I'm good upset. then. Yeah, everything will be fine. This episode will be open 48 hours, so no one can test you. <laughs> they, they would never know. They would never know. Also, I'm, Joe. Oh, sorry. Yeah, all they're going to hit is ibuprofen. Sorry. Yeah, the good stuff. Take like eight of those, pass out, or take them uh, right at the start of a podcast and get real loopy. That's what I've done. I'm before. taking. I'm taking three two hundreds, and okay. uh, uh, I should have gone with five, but that's okay. <laughs> oh man! Also joining us is Mike. Mike, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Finally, the worlds are colliding. We've got two different podcasts here colliding and meeting each other head to head. Boom. Special podcast hour and immersive irony experience. Boom. Yep, there we go. Um, even though I've been on that one and Alan's been on the show counts. before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see how it is. I see how it is. So let's start off real quick. Uh, this is a little bit late, but eh, better late than never. Uh, Six Flags has announced their 2020 new ride lineup. Um, we'll, we'll just cover this real quick because I think there's some really boring things and some really interesting things. Um, the really interesting things, obviously, are Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey is getting the Jersey Devil Coaster, which is the single rail. Uh, is that the Raptor model from RMC? Uh, no, no, it's still the the Raptor is like a two across. This is just okay. a single across. Okay. Um, and then it's a single rail, one across. One of their newer kind of designs. It's the uh, it's it's the ones where it's just all steel. It's 130 feet tall, goes 58 miles an hour, and it's about 3,000 feet long. I have two inversions, and it goes where the old what was it? The old uh, river raft ride was. Yeah, yeah. Not really a big loss at that park. Um, I mean, to me, the ride kind of it reminds me of when Viper was at that park a long time ago. Yeah. Like it kind of occupies that space. But it's going to be infinitely better than Viper. I mean, that's that's not even not even going to be a competition. Like a bad Togo versus an RMC single rail. It, it, like it's not even close. Um, it'll be a good ride. You know, the capacity is kind of miserable for that park. But um, I, I don't know. It's not my home park, so I don't care so much. I'll probably get to ride it once if I go. And that's that. Uh, but I look forward to it. Like, it's going to be a fun ride. Um, maybe in 15, 20 years when the line dies down a little bit, it'll be, you know, something to go on repeatedly. But it's 
it, it's definitely, I think, the most interesting ride that Six Flags is getting next year. There's that and the um, the Mac launched water coaster thingy that they're going into Texas with. I don't think it has the turntable, though, which is a bit of a bummer um, to run two cars on. But those are clearly like the two best attractions for 2020, assuming you don't count West Coast Racers as a 2020 ride at this point. <laughs> yeah, the um, and, and as you mentioned, uh, Six Flags Over Texas getting Aquaman Power Wave, which is the mock what, what do they call that? The mock power coast power launch thing. I don't know how to compare it. I, I forget what the exact title is for it, but I wrote it as Pulsar at Walibi Belgium mm-hmm. uh, last year, and it was awesome. It was really good. And I think everybody that rides it is always like, oh, my God, this thing's great. But the thing is, with only one car, it's going to have lousy capacity. Oh, yeah. I don't think it has the turntable, which that one does to have two cars on it. But yeah, what are you going to do? Um, hey, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what uh, we're talking about with the uh, the Pulsar and the Aquaman Power Wave, what it looks like? I have no idea. I'm stuck down here in regional park hell, but there's nothing to do. Well, I, well that's what I was wondering. So. Alan, do you want to kind of describe the ride to, to Mike? Sure. Uh, so basically, it's a it's a big straight line. Um, so it's a shuttle, kind of like a boomerang might be, except not garbage. And essentially what it does is it launches you forward, you go up a tower, you go backwards, it launches you backwards over an airtime hill, and then up a tower. And then what's interesting is as you go like backwards uh, to the second sort of uh, the second spike, if you will, they fill the space with water that you were just in. So that when you come mm. back down, you land in water, wow. uh, which is pretty, pretty cool. And uh, it's a fun ride. I mean, it's, it's, it's on some level simple because it's just a straight line, but there's a lot of stuff going on with the way the water pumps run and yeah. um, the forward and backward launch. It's, it's lap bars only. You get water. You get everything. It's like a like giant. That, it's like a Jurassic Park river adventure sized boat too. Yeah, it's a big boat. Holds like twenty people. It's it's super cool. Um, if you've never seen a video of it, check it out online. Uh, it's called Pulsar at in Walt. Or just put in Pulsar Belgium. I doubt there's going to be a whole lot of other Pulsar related <laughs> materials in the nation of Belgium that are going to pull up. But uh, it's it's super cool that they're getting one of those. Um, yeah. Aside from that. There was nothing else that I think really jumped out at me. It's kind of the usual slate of some flat rides and uh, local festival-ish type things, water slides. It did get a lot of water coasters for next year, mm-hmm. which, you know, if I was more pumped about water coasters at Six Flags Parks, I guess that would be something for me. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, I'm a little apathetic on that. No diss to Six Flags Water Parks. Maybe they're actually great. I don't know. I'm totally clueless and have never done one. So... Um, yeah, that, that's pretty much Six Flags 2020 in a, in a nutshell as far as what's relevant. I think, um, is there anything else that you want to point out? And maybe there's a Starflyer or something too, right? I mean, maybe. it's the usual kind of stuff of the giant, uh, knockoff hus- uh, giant Frisbees, um, you know, all those kinds of things. So it's, it's pretty standard flat rides and stuff of that nature. I mean, it's, it, there's standard flat rides for that chain, but like, you know, 180 foot tall, uh, pendulum ride is is a little bit like it is kind of cool um it's just at this point like so many of them have been built it's there's a little bit of the shine that's been taken off of it um there's still fun rides but you know it is what it is hopefully my hope is that 
you know, we start to see them branch out a little bit more with some more indoor attractions as, as the next couple of years go on. Oh, and I, we almost forgot LaRonda's getting the complete drizzling shits of a ride called Green Lantern, <laughs> uh, which is perfect for, for what is overall the drizzling shits of a park. So um, fits them really well uh, to get something completely awful in the space of something that was much larger and not quite as bad. Uh, I expect it to be terrible and put through roughly eight people an hour because it's at that park. Uh, but luckily I never have to ride it again because I did ride it when it was in California. And so I can ignore it and watch as the Quebecois, uh, you know, commit ritual suicide in the queue line. <laughs> and, uh, I wish them luck. Yes. Uh, so talking about ritual suicide, uh, SeaWorld, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so SeaWorld's had a fun, I don't know, month, let's say. Uh, Carl Lum, the president of SeaWorld in San Antonio, uh, announced that he was stepping down earlier in September. And then just this past week, see, I think it was last week, or was it yesterday? Yeah, no, yesterday was, that the CEO stepped down. Yeah, yesterday, the CEO of Gus uh, Antrock. Antrock? Something Antrock, like that. Yeah, I, I've never had to pronounce it. So Gus, our boy Gus. Had to step down um, and is leaving the company. Uh, per uh, SEC filing filings, uh, they state that his stepping down is his resignation is due to disagreements over the board's involvement in the decision making at the company. Um, that uh, this guy was just on for seven months. Uh, I think he was hired away from Carnival. Alan, was that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, he replaced John Riley. I want to say, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the article right now. Um, yeah, in terms. So originally it was, um, guy. Who was the first guy again, Alan? Uh, the guy that was like the popcorn salesman or parking lot attendant that that was there like four years ago and has been replaced five times since. Up. Oh, um, great yeah. question. I don't remember. Um, it, it's in my article somewhere. It's not Jim Reed Anderson because that's Six Flags. But it's something kind of like with three names in it. Um, okay. Yeah, he he was unfortunately not that great. And I, so here's the deal. I guess let's just kind of like cut to the chase here. And then, um, well, before you get to that, real oh, quick, sure. also uh, today news came out that they are laying off nearly a hundred employees who work at the SeaWorld Orlando call center in Orlando. So yeah, they're they're being replaced with overseas call center people. Yeah, of course. So that's um, not not great. But anyway, continue. Yeah. So. Um, Basically, the the word on the street is that uh, this is all related to the the primary shareholder in the company that's just kind of like taken over everything there, and uh, they're they're being very controlling. They're not allowing a lot of uh, a lot of power down to the people further down, and so they keep quitting. And you know what truth there is to that? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, but I'm going to guess that there's probably a lot of truth to it as far as, you know, hill path goes. Now, is it good or bad? I, I don't know. You know, I, I, they may be, it may be that, you know, Gus was an operations guy and he was asking for a lot of more money for operations and they keep cutting it, even though they're building a whole slate of new coasters for next year. And, you know, he wasn't happy with it. I, I don't know. I'm not there. It's all speculation. It's still a little weird to see this company start investing so heavily and have started on its turnaround and just keep 
with this rotating door of people uh, makes you wonder how how sustainable that turnaround is. But I guess we'll find out. Um, we do have a whole bunch of stuff that's opening up. So we've got a bunch of announcements that came out. They, they actually announced Texas Stingray at San Antonio, which is funny because the ride was already topped out before they announced it. Uh, always a good sign. Uh, Icebreaker at SeaWorld Orlando. Everybody was laughing at the concept art. I think it'll be a fun ride. Um, it's obviously not going to be in a wintry, mountainous zone. Um, <laughs> it's going to be somewhere extremely hot. Uh, Humid. By, yeah, unless they have unless they have VR on it, in which case they're demons. Oh. Of hell. Um, <laughs> After Kraken, they'd also have to be sadomasochists. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think it'll be a fun ride. It doesn't really have, it, it's meant to be more of a, I guess, a family thriller kind of, kind of attraction. I, I still, I still contend that these are not necessarily the things that SeaWorld should be building. Uh, I think the, the Sesame uh, Street expansion was exactly what they needed to keep pushing on and they don't seem to be interested. But it's okay because they're going to give me Iron Gwazi. And that will give me more reason to go to Bush Gardens, Tampa. And that's fine. Like I'll, I'll pick up, you know, those credits. That's okay with me. Um, <laughs> it's not best for them, but you know, it's best for me, I suppose. So I'll take it. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the sea world situation. It's a total crapshoot at the moment and we have no idea if they'll survive, but you know, good luck to them. Uh, actually I should, I take that back. We know they'll survive at this point because they have a lot of investment coming in from this private capital organization that will probably end up taking it private at some stage down the road. Um, so they'll be there. What they'll look like. I have no idea except they'll have coasters that, that I'm pretty sure of. Mm-hmm. I mean, iron Gwazi looks, is, looks pretty great. And it is probably yeah. going to be pretty great. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be minimum like the best coaster in Central Florida. So <laughs> the small small hurdle of being the best coaster in Central Florida, yeah, which I mean, that, when you think about it, really comes down to like three or four rides. So it's not too crazy. It's a lot of B and M's. Yeah, it's bad. Um, but it's it's pretty B and M heavy. There's like yeah, there's there's really like a top tier, and then like it's like goes from like the A tier to like the C tier real fast. And then there's other stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm excited to write it. That's what matters to me, um, to the company. I don't know that's going to draw a ton, but, you know, maybe Tampa people being Tampa people, you know, <laughs> they'll, they'll like it more. I, I don't know. I don't know that that coaster is going to push a lot of people to SeaWorld, but neither do crappy dark rides. So, um, <laughs> and that seems to be what their capacity is with dark rides. So, Maybe they need to stay away from him for a while. I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I you know I'm excited about it, um, but also slightly terrified about the the constant, you know, tossing out of people and the fact that you or I could go to Orlando or Williamsburg today and just basically say we're the president and probably be taken seriously. <laughs> go down in a go down in a, in a suit, tie, and a resume, and apply in person. Yeah, exactly. Just or not even apply. Just show up. With the suit on, buy buy, say, buy a name tag at the guest services. Yeah, <laughs> like a, yeah. Like a shop. <laughs> yeah, just be like, I need a I need a name tag. 
you know, just like a, a you know, put whatever name on it, or just ask for one that's behind the table and be like, "I'm the new president." I heard you My have a Gus one available back there. Uh, do you want to yeah, just Gus? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, we don't want SeaWorld to like fade away. It's a, I mean, the no, SeaWorld Orlando is a good little park. I don't think it will. I think it'll. I think it'll. It'll definitely live on. I have no idea what it looked like in three years, but it's going to be around because at this point it's gotten cheap enough and there's enough money in someone's coffers to, to basically take that thing over. I, like I said, I think ultimately Hillpath will end up taking it private. If I had to guess, if I had to, if I had to put, you know, if I had to put a guess on it and then, you know, at some point it'll be spun off again in three, four five years or sold, you know, in much the same way that, uh, all the Merlin parks were sold to Lego. Um, they'll find somebody out there that they can dish them off to. And who knows, they'll end up with InBev in like five years. We, we have no clue. <laughs> like just completing the most ridiculous chain of all time. That, that's an entirely plausible situation at this point. I, I leave nothing to chance. That is crazy. <laughs> that, that would be hysterical. It would be hysterical. I'd laugh for days, but you know. Legoland being sold back to Lego is also pretty funny. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh, who would be the, I mean, besides that, who would be like the craziest, weirdest person to buy the bush parks? Um, that's a great question. That, that would, but that you would also go, yeah, I could see it. Oh, okay. Well, that changes my answer. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, yeah, probably not like, you know, like, you know, the, like one of the giant military industrial complexes or something like that, but like, who would... gonna, like my my first ridiculous answer is going to be Kieran Burke and Premier Parks because <laughs> nothing would be better than them repeating what they've already failed at once before in even more glorious fashion. Um, yeah, who who knows? I mean, at this point, media empires who doesn't? What media empire doesn't have a park? I guess it's CBS Viacom. C- CBS doesn't it. anymore. Yeah, they could do that, and I could totally see it working. Don't they own Paramount too? They they own Paramount, but they don't own the Paramount Parks anymore. So, oh yeah, no, they're gone. But I mean, you know, somebody like that could easily end up being like, yeah, let's go do parks again, and here's here's some perfectly good parks that are in, you know, marketable zones, and we can do things with. I, I have no idea. Uh, you know, um, weirder things have happened. Way weirder things have happened. So, like I said, I I, I can totally see it ending up in in private hands, not. You know, is something that um, we see investors talking about anytime soon. They'll get bought out, you know, and then and then we'll move into the the next equally weird stage of SeaWorld's life as they kind of transition into whatever the hell it is that they're going to be. Um, something that's not centered around breeding mammals, I guess. Something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, so, Alan, question. Yeah. Uh, you were on a trip. To Japan recently, your first trip ever, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, so, do you want to kind of talk about the trip a little bit? We'll do a little trip report. Um, I think this is going to be the majority of the episode. That's why we kind of just spun right to it. Um, I kind of have a few bullet points, um, but do you kind of want to start off with uh, just kind of how the trip, you know, why now, how did this plan out, you know, all that, all that kind of logistical stuff. Um, you know what? It's so the logic behind doing a Japan trip now is actually kind of weird. Part of the reason why it seemed to make sense in the year 2019 and not in any previous years, because looking back at 
you know, when I was trying to plan Japan trips or whether or not it would fit. One of the issues I had is there were a lot of parks that I wanted to go to. And the truth is the Japanese park scene is kind of middling outside of the two big theme parks that everyone's heard of. And so stuff closed, like a lot of stuff closed. And like the last really big thing being Space World about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And when all that stuff closed, what happened was I, I sat down and looked at the map and I was like, oh my God, I don't have to kill myself to do a Japan trip anymore. Like if I just go and focus around the Tokyo area, I'll go to some stuff. I'll be able to spend some time in Tokyo, go to Yokohama, um, maybe do something like Fuji Q if it's convenient. If not, I'll skip it and just kind of concentrate on that rather than thinking about like, I need two weeks to fly out to Tokyo and go to Osaka and go to Nagoya and, you know, go here and there and go to this park and that park and everywhere. Um, I didn't want to have to do that. And, and the other the other part too is that you know this is not my first rodeo outside the U.S. or to Asia. Uh, my flight from Detroit to Tokyo was not even the longest flight I've ever taken, um, not even by like matter of like three or four hours. So um, we just kind of physically built up to the tolerance to like Europe flights feeling short, and so once you reach reach that stage. Uh, you know, Japan is not that big of an issue to go for not a full two weeks, but maybe like a week and a half or a week and a couple days like we did. Um, we chose September because that's when I was able to kind of connect the days off along with the holiday here in the States to lengthen the trip out a little bit. But I knew that it was going to be hot, really hot. And I knew that the there was a potential for storms, which we'll get into. Mm. Um, but, you know, the heat thing definitely took a toll more on my wife than it did me. Um, I had to be like, look, you have to drink water. Like I was like handing her water. I'm like, you drink this. She's like, I'm not thirsty. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like you're going to drink something right now because otherwise you will die. It was like 90 to 95 every day and well over a hundred in the heat index because of humidity. Mm. So, you know, when that's the case, like that's what you're going to deal with. Like you got to drink water. There's just no choice in the matter. Um, also because we put this trip off forever and because we get paid decently at all of our professional gigs that we do, um, we were going to do it quote unquote right. So we wanted to stay at the Miracosta. We wanted to stay with a view of some water. We wanted to, you know, get hoppers. We wanted to do all that stuff. Um, the problem that we had let me back up a little bit further. One of the reasons why I didn't do this trip before, too, is that, like there's always been a focus on Disney because it's you know Disney and it's a big park resort and it's a big deal. And to some degree, I've always looked at the the attractions there, and it's like uh, you know an eight to ten thousand dollar trip for me in this case to go ride Pooh and Journey to the Center of the Earth. And that's not really what it is, but you know when we found out the rehab schedule, Journey to the Center of the Earth was closing for a three month rehab the day that we arrived. So we ended up blowing even more money to ensure that we got to the park as soon as possible by getting like a car to drive us to <laughs> directly to the Miracosta. Like we were, I was like, look, I spent a ton of money already, like a lot of money. Um, if it costs 150 bucks to get a car to take me to directly to the Miracosta to check in, to get my bags dropped off, to go in the park so that I can get a ride in. I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to use everything, every dollar I can 
at that point to to go ahead and ensure my capacity to to get on journey to the center of the earth and we wrote it twice so it worked out um yeah so that's kind of the, the basic you know who and what where um and why uh, we, so we did uh three nights at the mira costa to begin the trip and then we had six nights at the prince sakura which is over in shinagawa afterwards to kind of do stuff around tokyo-ishness and um before i give opinions like let me open the floor up to questions any any questions that anybody has burning desires you know things of that nature before we get into me talking about the parks well do you want to talk a little bit about japan itself and the culture a little bit the kind of what you experienced um no i mean japan is japan is an interesting place um what I would say is that, you know, most of, I'd say like 87 to 90% of the time, what you hear is basically fundamentally true about most Japanese people. Like, yeah, you'll definitely see most of the time that they'll stand and wait at a crosswalk, for example, or, um, you know, they, they do really like, uh, you know, coin operated things to get little like capsule machines of miracle they call it like, uh, like gotcha palm or something like that over there. Um, you know, like they do seem to like anime. Big surprise. I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> something that's there. I mean, you know, they they are very nice. They are, you know, you know, very easy to deal with. They're very, you know, willing to work with you as like, you know, the gaijin that shows up that doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Um, I will say, I did. I got a I got a data sim before I left, and you know, I was able to use my phone the entire time as far as being able to do translation was concerned we had no problems in that end um for whatever reason i was actually slightly surprised like i had not quite done my my due diligence on on how the rail situation worked and how you know the subways are disconnected from jr rail and how you have to get different passes for each so it's kind of like you determine you know what if you're if you're somewhere like we were in shinagawa you have to determine what stuff on the subway lines sounds good and you do that stuff and then maybe you do the stuff on the jr lines on a different set of days based on when you have jr passes mm-hmm. um we didn't get you know week-long jr passes or anything like that because we weren't traveling all over the country um we were more or less piecemeal like getting a three-day subway pass uh for the tokyo subways we got you know a one-day pass for the tokyo uh jr rail lines um we bought you know we bought our passes to take the bullet train to Yokohama pretty much, you know, as need be things like that. And we didn't really have any problems with that. Um, like some slight confusion at the beginning when you have things like transfers that, you know, go from one line to the other and you don't have a way to get out of said station. But eventually, you know, after, after like an hour, we figured it out and then we were fine the rest of the trip. So, um, I, I would say the only thing that, it, you know, if you are the planning type, you know, usually I'm much better about that than I was on this trip. But yeah, definitely, you know, make sure you know what line you're on, where your hotel's at or where your lodging's at and make sure that you get, you know, appropriate passes. You know where to get appropriate passes, too, because like the yeah. subway line is not going to be you can't buy a subway pass at a JR area. You have to go to a Tokyo subway station that has Tokyo subway passes, things like that. Uh, and always make sure you pa- bring your passports everywhere. Yeah. Uh, legally, that is a requirement in, in Japan, and um, you know it will help you get stuff. Um, aside from that, you know, I, I have to say, like, 
if you're not using a cell phone and you're not using Google Translate and Google Maps in Tokyo, you're a fool. Right? <laughs> you are so dumb and so bad at travel. It makes life so much easier. It's basically, you know, you can point Google Translate at a sign and it will translate it for you. I mean, it doesn't get much easier than that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was that was, you know, that was all cool. At the same time, you know, Japan is filled with human beings. Um and human beings do things that are unexpected. Yes, homeless people exist in Japan. Yes, there's graffiti in Japan. Yes, it's not 100% clean. It's not Singapore, you know? Singapore, like, is spick and span. Like, you can eat off every surface. That is not Tokyo. Um, uh, you know, yeah, you'll see people that, that decide that they don't want to go on the crosswalk anymore. Uh, our, our friend Aki, who we hung out with a little bit during the trip, you know, as he puts it, um, yeah, Japanese people will stand and wait at the crosswalk for it to, to go green until they've had about three or four beers. <laughs> and then and then they're like, yeah, never mind. I don't feel like this anymore. So, you know, there's some liquid courage. Um, you know, it, it's it's definitely a different culture, and that's fine. Um, but I would say that to some extent, you if you live in America and you do nerd stuff, especially, you've probably been indoctrinated to it to some degree. Um, you've probably seen stuff like, you know, you can go to round one arcades just as they are in Japan in the United States. There's no difference really between the two. Like maybe there'll be some token function games that are a little bit different, but that's about it. Um, you can find anime junk and Godzilla junk and you can get all your nerd stuff here just as well as you can there. Um, but you know, there are things that, you know, there are things that are very Tokyo specific. I, I can't say this about all of Japan because I didn't go to all of Japan. I really just spent time in Tokyo. You know, Tokyo is really cool because you can just wander around and like there'll be a small little restaurant. We, when I say small, I'm talking like 12 seats. Mm-hmm. Just like walk in and go get like meat on a stick. You know, like I had um, I went to one place uh, and ended up getting like, you know, chicken hearts, livers and just standard chicken meat. You know, all yakitori style, all delicious. And it was great. And it was like totally reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. Um, there's food everywhere. Lots of food. Uh, the one thing that is a downer, though, again, this is one of those things where like technology caught up and helped us make the decision to do the trip, is my wife is a vegetarian. So trying to find food that did not have meat or fish, particularly fish in it of any kind, a yep. uh, little bit more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um but if you have the Happy Cow app, it'll direct you to the nearest, like, vegan or vegetarian restaurant. And other times you can find stuff like pizza pretty easily or Italian food that will, you know, obviously not have fish sauce in it. So, um, yeah, that was that was another kind of conflicting or or corresponding issue with doing the Japan trip that kind of caused us to push it off to doing stuff like the UAE or Singapore or Europe a million times instead. Okay. Um and, and then, uh, Mike, do you have any questions? No, but yeah, I just want to reiterate, you know, know your plan when you get, when you arrive at the airport, how to get to your hotel. It is very overwhelming. You know, you're, you're discombobulated because of the time change. You just got off a long flight and like everybody else is going a million miles an hour and you're like, uh, and you got to figure out where to go. And, you know, if not for Lane and Ashley, I don't know what we would have done at that point. But thankfully, Ashley is is really good about that type of thing. We found our way to the hotel, but it was overwhelming for all of us. I think when we first got there, 
mm-hmm. and that's kind of when you need to be with your bearings. And after that, you, it's old hat. You figure it out real quick, and it's it's really easy. And like Alan said, the um, Google Maps is great. It'll help you pick out which train's the best train, and it'll tell you which lines it is. There is also the, the JR Rail app that you can plot your routes. We had to pass, so we had to do it that way. But also, yeah. we ended up getting the Seeker card with our iPhones, and you could just go in and out of the stations also. Yeah, that's actually a good option. And, and you could also use it to do all sorts of stuff. Like, you can buy yeah. food with it and go to go to machines and just put up your Seeker card. Because they are very cash-heavy still. Um, they're not really yeah. into credit cards in the same way that we, or especially Europeans, are. Um, so that's that can be a little bit of a challenge. But yeah, those cards, those prepaid card situations are... are pretty solid and they're obviously very commonly used um and they're also really good for doing things like making transfers when you have like weird connections and things like that because basically the car just makes the determination for you um yeah i would say the other you know for me again being pretty well traveled um i I wasn't quite as overwhelmed with like you know tokyo station or shinagawa station or or any of the big stations as perhaps i was expecting to be everyone's like you're gonna get lost in tokyo station i was like like i know how to follow the stuff on the floor to get me out like i know i know those i know those tricks already um because i've seen them in so many other places but um yeah when you get when you get there like sometimes one of the major challenges you'll have is just trying to like cut through waves of people yeah that just never end coming (laughs) through the turnstiles like eventually you just learn you kind of barge your way through um and again you know thankfully i've had lots of practice in places like rome that are as busy or as packed uh, as as Tokyo was. We never, you know, we we never saw somebody get like with a stick and try and like push people into a subway car. <laughs> but I would say honestly that that when we were kind of squeezed into subway cars, it was the same as when we took the Rome Metro. So, I again, it's not, it wasn't totally outside the realm of of what I'm used to. It was. It was in a strange way very. It was very comfortable, also because like the Japanese people are, you know, it's a very safe country, um, barring the occasional sarin gas attack in the subways, which hasn't happened in like twenty years. In fairness, there's not. They put everyone in the death cult to death, so <laughs> not likely to happen again anytime soon. Um, you know, there's not there's not very many firearms. There's the occasional crazy, you know, knife attack or or assassination, but the likelihood of that happening to you is so minuscule. Um, and, and also being a Westerner, more than likely, regardless of who you are, you'll be bigger than the average Japanese person, which is this weirdly comforting fact that I think most people don't admit to. But anyways, um, yeah, that was that's kind of like the, the basics of, of what the, the, the experience of being at least around Tokyo and Yokohama was like um, and, and kind of, you know, some of the basics of, of what to do to get around there. Um, so, you know, we, we started the trip, we arrived into Narita, we, we got there, you know, basically on time, took us about an hour to clear customs and immigration. And we got in our, our car, which, you know, always nice to see your last name as you get off uh, or get out of the, uh, the airport terminal and, and, you know, have somebody take you somewhere. So we got over to Disney Sea. Um, Disney Sea. So it's interesting. So so the check-in process took a little while. There was a bit of a line. Uh, they checked us in. Then you have to go to a separate desk to buy your tickets for Disney. Um, you get this like little packet of different stuff. Like you have your Happy Fifteen tickets, 
if you stay at an official Disney hotel, which allow you to get into the park 15 minutes before everybody else. And there was a whole bunch of other stuff that we got too. Um, then we got our tickets. We talked to Aki. He was actually going to Disneyland that day while we were going to Disney Sea. Uh, we got four day hoppers because that was the cheapest option. Uh, we ended up getting the option because we were staying again at the official Disney hotel. We upgraded to be able to hop every single day. So we did, aside from the first day where we just concentrated purely on Disney Sea. I was wondering how you did that. I forgot there was a different option for hotel guests. Yeah, it's it's another like 1400 yen or so, I want to say is what mm-hmm. it is. You know, which 14 bucks to be able to just hop, you know, all three right. days. I mean, if we had arrived a little bit earlier, if we had gone in when I was hoping at like 3.30 rather than getting into the park a little after 5, there's a possibility I might have gone for it. But we still were going to be looking for multiple rides on Journey to a, or a journey to the center of the Earth anyway. So it yeah. probably wasn't going to happen. To, but the next to explain days, to our, our listeners, if you don't stay at, a, at the Disney hotels, you have to... You have to pick which park you go at per day the first two days. So yes. if you go to Disneyland the first day, you have to go to Disney Sea the second day, and on the third and fourth day you can hop between the two. I'm gonna I'm gonna briefly interject because this reminds me of something uh, which I did not mention about prepping for your trip to Japan. Now this is this is the advanced level, this is the expert level type thing that I tend to do, um, and that is the Disney Parks Japan app. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the Disney Parks Japan app. So. Number one, most everybody that will tell you that they go to Japan and have gotten the app will tell you that you can only get it when you're there. <clears throat> that is a lie. <laughs> you can get it. And you can get everything registered before you arrive. And I'm going to tell you how right now. With your mobile device, I would recommend that you get uh, something that will allow you to use it, you know, use a VPN. Um, the one that I specifically used for this purpose was do 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 tunnel bear um tunnel bear will allow you to choose japan so the very first thing you want to do is download tunnel bear then tunnel to japan to do all of this and it's important you do these things in the specific order okay the next thing you want to do is set up a google account after you've tunneled on tunnel bear you do not want to do this before because it will register you as being in the united states i created the email account in japan and gods on safari at gmail.com that exists now uh by doing it through tunnel bear it thinks i'm in japan like it thinks that's a japanese person that just so happens to have my name and most of my email address attached to it once you do that you could then get into the play store and download the disney parks japan app this is where translate comes into a lot of help um because in order to actually use what the Disney Parks Japan app has to offer to its fullest, you then need to register for a Disney Japan account. So basically, again, all through TunnelBear, you want to make sure that you go to, I think it's Disney.jp, and go through that to actually set up your My Disney account through your new Japanese email address. Because you cannot use an American email address, and you cannot state that you're in America. Now, when it asks you for things like address or phone number, just use the hotel you're staying at. Um, if it's the Miracosta, so be it. If it's not the Miracosta and it's, you know, if you're using your downtown Tokyo hotel like I did, that's fine, too. The system's not smart enough to know the difference, okay? But you will need to have a Japanese Gmail account or other email expressly Japanese to then get an expressly Japanese Disney Parks 
account or Disney account, I should say, because an American one will also not work like my wife had to then be able to use the Disney Parks Japan app. Now, you may be wondering why you would want to do any of this. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Alan, that sounds awfully complicated. Why would I ever want to do any of that? Because then you can get your fast passes electronically on your cell phone and you don't have to run to a goddamn thing. (laughs) If you are a fool, you will be one of those people that is a quote unquote runner who ends up getting to a ride and pulling a fast pass for 2.30 p.m. Or you're me. You did all those things in advance. You show up with it on your phone, all ready to go, and you literally walk into the park, especially with the the happy 15, and you just wait for 9 o'clock to roll around, and then you select the very first fast pass time available for anything in the entire place, including soaring. So that is why you do that. It is the best. Um, I understand it's very similar to what Disney California has. The one downside is you can't stack fast passes on the app. Oh, you darn. can only get one at a time. But again, if you get the very first fast pass that's available on, say, Pooh or Soaring or Journey, whenever that reopens or whatever, you'll be able to quickly get another one for later in the afternoon for something else. Uh, there are the single rider lines that exist on um, Indiana Jones and um, huh, I keep wanting to call Raging, it Raging Spirits. Raging Spirits. I keep wanting to call it like. Any, I keep wanting to call it like Bistic Timbers or <laughs> um, Shivering Timbers or just anything other than Mystic Spirits. Um, those two rides have single rider lines. Uh, oh, and, and the other really important thing about Tokyo <clears throat> that I feel like never gets mentioned in the conversation that I was actually surprised by in spite of having known about Disney Tokyo for 20 years, it closes on time. So what I mean by that is they close the lines down way early to ensure that everyone goes home at the closing time, including the employees. So if you're thinking, I'm going to jump into that line five minutes before close, forget it. Stupid move. Don't do it. Bad idea. You know, basically completely try again. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You have to be there. If it's a 90-minute line, you have to be in line for that 100 minutes before the park closes to ensure that you actually get on it. That's just how it is. Um, it's a little bit of a bummer. You know, you know, coming from my perspective, because I'm so used to American parks not operating that way and European parks not not operating that way. But that's the way Japan is. And so it prevented me from getting a third ride on journey to the center of the earth. But, you know, what are you going to do? Small things. Um, so definitely I guess we never stayed up that late. <laughs> yeah, we were we we immediately stayed up until we, we were we closed out the parks every day, wow. every day. Uh, we had no problem staying till close. Um, and you know, I will say there was like one day about three days into it where I woke up at two in the morning. I couldn't go back to bed. Like that was pretty rough. Cause you, I wasn't expecting it. Like I thought like I beat jet lag immediately and not quite. So, um, you know, jet lag can affect you. I, I don't know what to do about that. It, it, you know, it's everybody is, is independently different and, um, It'll affect you all in different ways. So, you know, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you that I got into the parks at five o'clock and we closed out Disney Sea on day one uh, when we arrived. So I guess maybe I'll just go into the narrative, the short version of did you want me to review it like ride by ride? How would you how would you like how would you like your Disney Tokyo review to go? I think we're all just dying here about drinking the center of the earth. <laughs> so Sean's wrong. Yes, it's really good. <laughs> 
it's, it's really fun. It's really good. <laughs> uh, you know, I think we both agreed that it was our favorite ride at Disney Tokyo, either park. Um, yeah. You go ahead, Mike. You give me a quick, your quick take. Um, it, it was just a big surprise because Sean shit on it so much. And then, like, you had, like, the stigma of it being test track and all this. And, you know, and I really had never looked at anything. I knew there was the lava monster. So you get in there and you, you do the elevator thing and you get on the ride. And it's just really cool. And it's, like, stuff I haven't seen before in, in rides around here. So... It's just a blast, and it, you know, I wish I could have wrote it more. I saw a POV of it, you know, years ago. My buddy Sean has it up from like 2005, and and you know, I remember watching and being like, "Oh man, this thing looks amazing!" You know, back then, like for some reason, because maybe because the POV is so dark to me, I didn't know it was like a rising helix. Like it's a constant, you know, right hand turn that leads up to that sort of launch out of the mountain. It's not just like a a short, you know, goes here, goes up goes down like there's a little bit more meat to that portion before it actually you know comes out of the mountain drops um you know it's it's interesting because it's uh, so much of what it what leads into that the launch out you know away from the lava monster it reminds me a lot of the avatar dark ride um you know not obviously not flight passage but uh, uh the boat the ride river journey sure. yeah yeah um <laughs> Like flight of the navigator, as Mike puts it. <laughs> um, no, it's it. It was good. Like it was really fun. Oh, here's the thing. Okay, here here's another thing I want to say. Like the thing about about Tokyo Disney, and this goes for any Tokyo Disney park really, is that people are going to gravitate towards the rides that are different than what they have back home. Um, you know, Journey to the Center of the Earth is a very different ride than what we have back home. Sinbad, which we're going to get to in a second, <laughs> is a very different ride than what we have back home. You know, we don't have, uh, you know, the, the Fortress Explorations back here. Um, we don't have Pooh. So those things that we don't have in the United States are the things that you're naturally going to, you know, kind of attune yourself to just like when I was at universal Singapore, like you asked me what my favorite rides are there and it's all the stuff that's exclusive to that park, you know, like spaghetti chase and, um, uh, Madagascar. Like that's the stuff that I remember most because it's different than all the stuff. Like I've been on transformers. Now that I've been on every transformers in the world. Like great. Nobody cares. <laughs> right. But the thing is like, you know, when you, when you, when, weird you're flex. when you're on the third, yeah. When you're in the third transformers, you're like, Oh, I've seen this. Like a million times. Like I know exactly what's going to happen. There are no surprises. It's fun because I like Transformers. But, you know, look, it's not it's not different. So ultimately different. Again, like novelty wins out over good sometimes. Not not necessarily saying that this isn't good. I'm just saying, like, this is novel. And so it's interesting. Um, so anyways, we did that. We ended up getting uh we ended up getting some dinner over. We got like curries over at uh, the Casbo restaurant uh, in that middle Easterny section of the park. Um, and then we rode Sinbad and then we rode 2000 or 20,000 leagues under the sea. And then we rode journey to the center of the earth again. And then basically we just walked around until close uh, after that. Cause it was after nine o'clock. Um, so sin first off, actually, no, I, I almost forgot. I actually did. We did not eat at the Casbah, I think that day it was actually the next day, but we did get food at the restaurant inside of that. Volcania. Oh no, sorry. Yeah. Volcania doesn't have anything vegetarian. So it's kind of, okay. 
So we went to we went actually went and got food, just some snacks over at uh, inside Mermaid Lagoon at that cafeteria there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did ride my first roller coaster that I went on at Disney Sea was uh, that Togo uh, Starfish or whatever it was one. That was um, my last one. <laughs> yeah, that's you know it was there. We were yeah. there. It was like, hey, what's up? And we're like, okay. <laughs> you want to go yes. back? <laughs> hey, you want to come over here? And we're like, okay, flounder. Sure. You know, I'm a whore. What do I know? I'll make bad decisions. Um, so, so okay, really quickly, the, the Mermaid Lagoon area um, reminded me a lot of the the DreamWorks stuff at Motion Gate in Dubai. It's, it's all indoors. It's very well done. It's a lot of flat rides, a lot of flat rides. Obviously, Flounder's Flying Fish Coaster's outdoors. Um, it's not terrible. It's kind of, it's definitely cramped, which big surprise there. It's a kid's coaster, basically. Um, it wasn't terrible, though. The stuff inside, again, none of it really spectacular, but, you know, as a ride individually. But it, it creates a lot of capacity for that park. For It gives kids a lot of stuff to do because it's not not necessarily a Disney park that was intended for children to begin with. And so it kind of creates this weird kid space within a Disney park, whereas that's usually kind of a default for what you'd expect from a Disney park. Um, Sinbad's is great. Sinbad is, is fantastic. I mean, you know, uh, compass of your heart. I don't know any of the words except for compass of your heart, <laughs> but I, I don't really need to know any of them. Uh, Cause it's very catchy. We ended up buying. It sounds like Mike left. I think. I think he had to take a break. Yeah, he'll be back. I'm here. Oh, you're here? here. Okay. Okay. Uh, we we bought a Chandu plush. Yes. Um, we we also agree, by the way, Mike, that the best moment is definitely where he hops on the drum three times. <laughs> no question. Oh, oh. I I really <laughs> want to see the POV of the original version of it. Oh, it's terrifying. I've heard it. I've heard it compared to um, Fata Morgana at Efteling, and I really want to see that comparison in real life. Um, I, I know that it. You know, I know that the crowds did not like it, which is why it got turned into like a very cutesy kind of kids ride, which is fine yes. because it's a very good cutesy kids ride. I didn't realize how long it was. Like when I thought it was going to be over, like there was still Just like keeps half going. To go. Yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, you know. Just because I'm a coaster enthusiast doesn't mean I can't appreciate a good long slow boat ride, and that's a that's a pretty good long slow boat ride. Um, Twenty thousand leagues under the sea is an attraction that I honestly had never heard anything about from anybody, in spite of knowing probably a hundred people that have gone to that park ever. I honestly, because I've tried to stay kind of spoiler free for that park for the most part, aside from seeing the journey uh, POV years ago. Um, I didn't realize that it was a dark ride until like a week beforehand. That's how little I do about that ride. Uh, it's okay. And that's the best I can say for it. It's okay. It's, it's interesting. The cars are different. I mean, it's a suspended dark ride, you know, that goes into the mountain and uses, uh, and uses it basically as kind of like the show building as best I can tell. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely a ride. Um, you know, would I say it's great? No, not at all. I, you know, I can't imagine, I, I guess this is like, this is one of those things too, where I'm going to get further into this in a moment, which I'm sure Mike is going to be amused to hear. Um, this is one of those things where like, 
can sit there and like people are this is the most immersive park in the world and you look at like just kind of like the same stuff that's like in in like the nemo sub ride for example for the most part i mean there's there's the section where there it ends up being like you know atlantis and there's aliens at the end spoiler uh in, in case you had like me avoided learning about this ride for 20 years um <laughs> That's a little bit different, but for the most part, like it's very simple figures, you know, fake underwaterness, which is fine. I'm not against it. Um, it it's, but it wasn't like there's nothing like super complex or amazing about it. Like I'd rather, if you're gonna give me like a, a more modern Disney dark ride, like I'd rather ride that that goes fake undersea. Give me Little Mermaid. Like that's actually a better ride in my opinion. Um, it's just it was kind of there, like it was. It was one of those rides where, like, I told my wife, I'm like, "Hey, we can get fast pass and ride this in five minutes." And she's like, "Yeah, like I'd I'd rather just go eat a churro. Um, <laughs> I'd rather get some know, flavored like, popcorn. It's not yeah. Good yeah, there's popcorn. Like, why are you gonna bother? Um, so so in our first day, getting in line for our very first ride was the first time that we were cut in line at Tokyo Disney Sea, and it took ten minutes. Uh, from the time we got in the park, it was kind of the classic, like, excuse me, excuse me. I have to join my family, except indecipherable to me because I I'm lost on Japanese. Like, as far as I, I understand it, like even the speech is right to left. Like it's way past me. I don't get it. I tried to learn a little bit and, and I used like this Nintendo DS, like how to learn Japanese. And I gave up after three days. Cause I was like, this isn't going to happen. This is not going to, I'm absorbing nothing. Um, and like everybody was touching stuff in the queue lines. I had once heard from somebody that, that nobody touches the rail. Like nobody touches the queue rails. And we're like watching people like sitting on the queues and on the queue rails and like touching everything in the queue line for journey to the center of the earth, which it was a 90 minute wait for the first ride. So people are going to get bored. Um, they can only look at their cell phone for so long. Because they look at cell phones a lot, too. Surprise. Like, they're human beings in a developed nation. Um, you know, so we had a really good laugh about that. About, you know, how we were kind of oversold. What to expect about, like, Japanese guests or or Tokyo Disney in general. Like, it was very obvious when you're in the park that you can look out of the park and see stuff like a trash incineration plant directly across the water from Disney Sea. From like half of the park, you can see the Sheraton from inside of it, and like this didn't bother me. It just made me laugh because of all the stuff that I had heard about how perfect this place was, and how it was like the ultimate theme park, and how like you were like a scumbag, garbage nothing if you hadn't been there. And here I was, and I'm like, it's just like every other theme park. Like there, there it really is. It's just another theme park. Like it's a really good theme park. Like really good. But it's not like it changes your life and like this becomes Mecca and like, you know, Universal Studios Orlando or whatever becomes shit. Like, I'm sorry, it just it doesn't like. And that was that part. That's even before we get to Tokyo Disneyland. Um, Tokyo Disney Sea is definitely like the more expensive park. Like the thing about Tokyo Disney Sea is everything is at scale. So it's like one to one, like like a hotel that would be this big in Italy is this big here. There's no forced perspective outside of Mount Prometheus. Everything else is like full scale, huge, gigantic, monolithic. It's very impressive. Like when you have that much money to throw around, it's it's really cool. 
and you get to see that much money being spent like mm-hmm. on the stuff that they did. Um, so, I mean, I totally get why people think it's the best park in the world. Like it's a really beautiful park that's very apparent very early on that has a lot of original Disney rides, which is something that a lot of people crave because they get used to riding the same stuff in Florida or California over and over. And so those two things, you know, you put them together and it makes a lot of sense that, yeah, of course, like Disney Sea would be a park that would be a favorite for a lot of people. I, you know, um, I'm not necessarily in that camp, but, you know, we can get more into that in just a second because I've barely even talked about most of the rides. Next day, went to Disneyland. Um, I believe that we got, yeah, we got there for opening um, bright and early. We were there like 45 minutes prior to our happy 15 time we got in they kind of funnel us into riding buzz lightyear um somewhat against your will it's like you ride buzz lightyear you just stand here so we're like okay i guess we'll ride buzz lightyear while we wait for fast passes to come online and then once they did we got one for poo and while we waited for poo we went and knocked out um monsters inc uh buzz lightyear it's okay um Buzz Lightyear. It's it's like the it's like the Disneyland version where you can actually pick up the guns, so it's not trash. But you know, it's not. Again, if you've been on Buzz Lightyear at the other parks, you, you know what this is. Um, Monsters Inc. We end up getting two rides on it during the entirety of the trip, and I gotta say, Mike, what was your opinion of Monsters Inc.? Yeah, well, we got to do it once, and I was like, eh. You know what it is? It's the poor man's Men in Black. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's a take. Explain. It's it basically fundamentally is the same ride as Men in Black. Okay. Aesthetically, like you yeah. travel through a cityscape and you you know shine a laser at targets with that's aliens. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's just not as impressive. Yeah. Yeah, but it and like it. There's there's two aspects. That, there's actually a bunch of aspects, not just two. Uh, one is that a lot of times when you shine your flashlight on a target, whatever it triggers will happen after the car turns away from it, uh, which is, is especially an issue in that area where it goes into that like Japanese restaurant thing. Like you shine lights on all of those monsters ink helmet um, logos, and nothing you get to see absolutely nothing. Um, because your car spins away immediately after you shine it. Um, obviously, there's no alternate ending because there's no score. And because it's still an interactive dark ride and you're still trying to make things happen, it's not like you shine it at one thing and just watch it happen. You know, you, you're kind of like compelled against your better judgment to just shine the flashlight at everything that has a Monsters Inc. logo and see what stuff happens. But again, it's not nearly as impressive as, as Men in Black is, even though aesthetically it's very similar. Um, it just doesn't do as much cool stuff. It's not a bad ride. Uh, it's a perfectly serviceable, like D ticket type attraction, but you know, nothing that you want to fly you know, across the world for. It's, it's too overblown in the fan community. Yeah. It, again, it's different. Yeah. So when it's different, people gravitate towards it. Um, another thing that's different there are the fantasy land dark rides in that they are smaller and they, the cars travel at an incredible rate of speed to the point where you barely see what's happening. Um, my wife called me crazy for saying that Peter Pan at Tokyo Disney was significantly smaller in scope of attraction and in length than the Disney World ride. And then I watched the POVs 
against one another to verify it. And I was totally right. It's shorter by like a full minute. Um, and some of the stuff is like, like almost really cheesy of like flying around curtains, uh, to get to, to the next scene within the same room. Uh, you know, stuff like flying over the Island. It's, it's much, much smaller in the Tokyo version. Um, and everything's very janky and very fast. I mean, like going on, uh, snow white, like, there's there's almost no time to see stuff on Snow White or Pinocchio because you're just like blasting through doors one after another. I don't know if that's a, a technique to try and increase the capacity of the ride or what. Um, but I did see I've seen that some other people have complained about that as well. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a complaint. It's just more or less an observation. I, I would say that their Fantasyland dark rides are kind of my least favorite of the Fantasyland dark ride sets that I've been on at, at the other, you know, three parks in Paris and the U S um, haunted mansion was closed for, for its overlay. Uh-huh. So that opened, that opened the day, uh, the day after the typhoon. So it did not open on time then either from what I understand, but we were, we weren't going to make the special trip just to ride it. Um, yeah. Just didn't make sense. Um, we did ride poo many times. Yes. We rode in all three cars. It's really good. It's really good. I would say that the first car, it's not quite at the level of like if you get the first car, if they put you in the first car, that you shouldn't bother riding it. But cars (laughs) two and three are so much better than the first car that you like we actually saw Japanese people who were being, you know, directed to go to car number one, the first in the line. And they were like, no, 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 we don't want to ride in that one. Hmm. because basically what it does is, especially in, in the very first, you know, big scene when Pooh is with the balloon. You miss it. it yeah, you miss everything. Like, it basically takes you out and puts you out in the middle of the room and just parks you there while everybody else kind of scans by all the animatronics doing stuff. Right. Uh, and probably the sequence in, in the last big space, uh, that sort of fevered honey dream sequence uh it gets it gets it does okay there too i mean it it does some stuff as far as a ride goes like i would say it it's really fantastic you can see why it blew people's minds when it opened as the first trackless dark ride um i mean it's fun i mean it you know everything about it's cool i love you know i love the the bounce room everybody's been you know talking about the bounce room as as long as it's existed and i thought it was super cool you know it's it's an interesting way to do it. Um, as soon as we were riding, I'm like, it's definitely not the cars. Like that was very obvious immediately that they weren't doing that. And then I figured out, you know, how it positions itself on the floor and it goes up and down. Um, also point out screens. There's screens on. Poop. <laughs> no one will ever say that to you, but there's screens on. Poop. There's screens on a lot of rides, but um, nobody seems to talk about the screens on poo. I don't know why. It's, hmm, it's weird. Fascinating. Totally fascinating. Um, elsewhere in in Tokyo Disneyland, that first day we were there, we did Space Mountain. Oh, lucky! Uh, did you get on Space Mountain there? No, the line's always out the building, and just I, I didn't have the fancy fast pass app then. Yeah, I, I we were able to get on that. Um, so it's good, like it's fun. Okay, I, I don't want anyone to sit here and say that it's not that Alan said it wasn't fun or that Alan said it wasn't good. <laughs> 
fact, I don't want anyone to say that about Tokyo Disney Period because I'll go back at some point and I'll have fun then uh, as well. Hell yeah, dude. But, but you know, look, the theme of Space Mountain is very general. Um, it has a, a kind of plain Jane Q line aside from that, like, observation deck looking out into space or whatever. Um, there's no onboard audio. You know, inside the ride, there's just one track. And, you know, it shines lights inside the dome. And there's there's not, I would say the track is not nearly as exciting as the Walt Disney World or Disneyland ones. Those are more exciting layouts. But it's not bad. It feels like it goes fast the whole time. It might not have any, like, airtime or, you know, crushing positive Gs or anything. But it's a fun ride. Um, again, it's kind of like grading on a curve, right? Like, yeah, maybe it's my least favorite Space Mountain. But it's still better than 90% of what's out there. So, you know, I get, like, Disney Tokyo. Is, is Disneyland Tokyo my favorite castle park? No. Is it my least favorite castle park? Probably. Does that mean it's a bad park? No. Like, it's still, you know, out of the 300-something parks I've been to, it's probably in the top 20. Um, at least top 30. So it's, it's a really good park. Um, we did Pirates of the Caribbean after that, before we headed out for the day to go back to Disney Sea. And man, Pirates of the Caribbean there is so good. Yes. It's really good. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of combines the best of both worlds between the Disneyland and the Disney World rides. It's obviously it's not as good as as the Disneyland one is, but what what is? Um, it's it's really good. At, you know, it has that Blue Bayou entry sequence. Then it kind of goes into the typical like, like here's the skeletons, and then we go into the the battle and the pillaging and whatnot. And it's a good long ride. Uh, it's very well kept up. It still has, you know, the reverse of what all the Western ones have with. Uh, the men chasing the women still for the most yes. part. Um, so it's a little bit less changed in that respect. Really good ride. I mean, it's it's Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, I, I would say I would actually position it probably. I don't know if I'd put it second above Paris, but I would have to really consider it. And I like the Paris one a lot. I think I think the Paris one gets a lot of attention because it's that again, it's it's novel because it's a reversion of what everyone expects from Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's very different in that sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one follows that, that those same bullet points, the same flow, but you know, does it uh, in that kind of weird in between Disneyland and Disney world way. Uh, but it's a really good park. I mean, or a really good ride, I should say. Um, then we went back to Disney sea and then we started knocking out other stuff. You know, we didn't get, they, they closed the single rider line for mystic, um, <laughs> they were just like nope no single rider line he like holds up an x with his arms and we're like okay yeah. uh so we ended up waiting 90 minutes for indiana jones <laughs> yeah which is it's good i mean again it's slightly different than the disneyland ride and i mean slightly different i actually like it's good i like i like the disneyland one more i like the fire effects i like more of the the skull mountainy thing I like like it does very very similar things but if you ask me to pick one I'm probably going to pick the Disneyland one I just am um plus the Disneyland one yes the queue is probably more ornate inside the building once again the building for Indiana Jones than it is at Disneyland but Disneyland has 
like much more indoor space because it goes, you know, basically under into the, where the parking right. lot was. Um, and there's a lot less of just the really kind of crappy back and forth rope waves that exist at at Tokyo Disney, um, which I was not as fond of. Um, God, what else do we do? We did like the the overhead tramway, you know, to take yeah. it to the American waterfront, which is a really cool transportation ride. They love transportation rides at that park. Mm-hmm. They have three of them. Um, what else did I do at Tokyo Disney Sea that day? It may have actually been like a fairly low, like number of things that we ended up doing, just because we knew all the really busy stuff was going to have to go for another day, yeah. and we could get in there first thing and start getting fast passes. Um, and that's the thing about that park is that once the initial rush is over, you're kind of limited to what you could do. Everything's kind of booked up for the day, unless you want yeah. to wait in line. Yeah, and and you'll have to wait in line at some point, it, uh, yeah. you know. Otherwise, I mean, it, that's just how it is. Um, yeah, we like. I even had Meredith had seen someone get really wet on Aquatopia, so we ended up skipping it until the very last day we were there. <laughs> um, but it looks nice at night. I actually would have probably preferred to ride it at night because it looks so much nicer. Um, following day, uh, I'm not. Even gonna, I'm going to leave the food out of this for right now because, like, I'd have to like go back and try and figure out what I ate. But I ate food somewhere. Um, I probably went to Xpiari at some point here, and we might have gone to Guzman and Gumas, which has burritos. It's basically Chipotle or Qdoba, but located in Japan, and it's it's a godsend. Okay, it just is, especially for vegans or vegetarians. Mm. Um, following day, we went back to uh, Disney Sea for opening, and we were just going to knock stuff out, just knock everything out the blocks. So. Uh, we, you know, we, we got in with the happy 15, we got Soren fast passes immediately and we went to work on tower of terror and toy story mania, toy story mania, toy story mania. Um, you know, if you've been on it before, you know, the drill, it's exactly the same thing as what's home. Like you pulled a little ball with a string stuff happens on a screen. I did. Okay. I got like a beaver or whatever it is. Whatever's like it's two just more ornate. That's all. Yeah, it's it's it has so it has the whole theme section of it being like a, an amusement park kind of thing or amusement pier or playland based around Toy Story within the American waterfront owned by the trolley company, which is kind of novel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also worth noting that Tokyo Disney Sea and Tokyo Disneyland are themselves kind of like trolley parks and that they're owned by the Oriental Land Company, which is owned by who does the Shinkansens, or whatever they're called, the bullet trains. As are most of the parks in Japan, most of them are actually owned by rail line. Um, Universal Osaka is kind of the strange outlier in that, but almost everything else that we went to on this trip was owned by a company that owned rail. Uh, Very, very few exceptions. Anyhow, um, Tower of Terror had a... You know, it has a different pre-show, obviously, because it's not Twilight Zone. Um, otherwise, again, very similar kind of ride. has that tiki god that's evil that, you know, gets mad at you and, and for some reason wants to throttle you up and down an elevator uh, for his personal enjoyment. Something about, you know, Polynesian colonization, I'm sure. I'm not really sure what the deal is there. Um, so from there, we went to Soren. I mean, how do you like it? It's good. Brad. It's good. I like I like I like the one at uh studios more at Disney World. Yeah. 
because it you know it has that for like it has the different aspects that that one doesn't necessarily have um i i do i do think the story is kind of cool i like you know passing by the front desk of the hotel and there's the book that's open with all the names of the guests in it and you can look in it and there's all these you know names particularly from turn of the century america uh, European nobility that they've kind of stitched into it as having signed in things like that. Um, I mean, it, it's not bad. Certainly it's a very good ride. Again, um, it kind of has that in a, in a very similar to way to the Hollywood one it has a very sort of plain Jane, all concrete exit as well. Um, but again, like, do you really care that much? Like if you care that much no. about the exit of tower of terror, you're trying way too hard and it shows. Um, so we went from that to Soren. I, I had to go on Soaring because I was told that the pre-shows for Soaring make it worth my while. Um, and I was told that my a person that I actually know, Rick Turner, was the person that kind of put together these pre-shows. Uh, he works over in Imagineering. Uh, I've, I've known him for eons. He once bought the 20-year-old version of me pizza while he was setting up the first HD set at ESPN years and years and years ago. Uh, super great guy. Um, and he's kind of like Mr. Projections over at Disney, which either makes him the devil or <laughs> or the guy that's responsible for stuff like Ghost Galaxy that you really like. Um, so anyways, he he did these pre-shows, which is very obvious because they're very projection based and absolutely positively. The Soren pre-shows are the best part of Soaring. She's mentioned Soaring with a G. Um Unfortunately, Soaring has the same film as the other parks. So so that's unfortunate. Not much to do about that. They did remove the Eiffel Tower uh, and they did install the flying, you know, over Tokyo and then to Tokyo Disney Sea section. What matters is not how I feel about Soaring. It is how the Japanese people feel about Soaring. And <laughs> it was Beatles at Ed Sullivan level <laughs> for that ride. I have never heard a louder response to anything in my life. When that ride, you know, when it starts taking off and they start picking up the platform, people were going apeshit. <laughs> it was unbelievable. We were, my wife and I are just like, oh, my God, these people are going crazy and nothing's even happened yet. They're going to riot. Like, they've, like, barely turned on the projector. Holy shit. <laughs> like, that ride will never not have a line. Never. That ride will be popular forever. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You go and enjoy Yeah, Do your soaring. Do your Midway Mania. Let the rest of us go up on another ride, please. Yes. Yes. I'm with you, 100%. Um, so then, after that, I went ahead and got myself a Fast Pass. Uh, actually, you know, pretty much as soon as we were done with our Fast Pass at Soren and we were in the main like queue line getting ready for the first pre-show. I, I went ahead and booked one for Nemo and friend C rider. Mm. God, that hurts. <laughs> um, but, but before that we went and made a stop to go ride, um, whatever it's called, mystic spirits, that thing, <laughs> mystic timbers, raging spirits, raging <laughs> spirits. That's the name. Of the I'll never remember it. It just will never happen. <laughs> the Alzheimer's is setting in. Uh, Raging Spirits, we got we use single rider line. We both got on the same train, albeit in different rows. It's horrible. <laughs> the end. It's complete garbage. It's 
totally, the longest line in the park. Totally, totally. Sad. It was like two hour line. Yeah. It, it is garbage. You can, like, I'm sorry, the, the best park in the world cannot have a ride like that. That ride is <laughs> terrible. Terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. The restraints are terrible. The layout's terrible. It's trimmed to death. Everything about it is bad. All of it is bad. The whole thing, start to finish. The best thing you can say about it is it has like some some like real fire torchy type things around it. That's yeah. it. Um, speaking of terrible, uh, we then subjected ourselves to the magic that was um, Nemo and Friends Sea Rider. Mm. And uh, did you did you get to ride this, Mike? Yes. Yes, uh, yes, I did. Because, um, which we think was, uh, Journey was broken down one morning, so we just went on Nemo, and yeah. The, uh, the pre-show effect's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know, shrinking the submarine, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. They should have let us out after that. Yes, yeah. I and agree. then I would have been like, ah, oh, that's great. That was fantastic. <laughs> um, unfortunately, there's a ride, and, um, it's not very good. It's, uh... You know, it's your your basic fundamental. It, it's like riding Wild Arctic, but there's some television screens on the sides of the train as well. Oh, the sides of the vehicle. It's, it's so big, Joe, that the movement is is so limited. That yeah, it, you can't really do anything exciting. It's yeah. like a big mon- monstrous building that barely moves. Like flight of passage. It's so big, it can't do oh. anything. I mean, this like really can't. Like it holds like eighty people. So it's just like, you know, how much can you do? Like. You go here a little bit. You go there a little bit. You're just like, yeah, okay. Like, I I wish this was something else. Um, that was pretty much what I was thinking the whole time I was on. I was like, no. Oh. Like, I, you know, maybe I I will point out that it's possible that that Storm Storm Rider was better, mm-hmm. but I don't know that it really would have mattered. Like, what film you put in that? Like, yes, unless there were exposed breasts. Like I, can't, I can't picture caring at all about what was happening with that ride. That ride system is just, sorry, like, not it feeling it. Well, yeah, there is that porn 4D ride in Amsterdam, so they do yeah, have don't the... remind, Yeah, I might have to go find that, actually. I, I, will I guess they could, month and a half. they could remove that, and they also have that, that empty area at the back of the Indiana Jones land. I guess they could put a ride, like, straddling those two corners. That might be cool. I think the one issue is that, you know, that's kind of that, that I don't want to say it's a break in the seawall, but the, yeah. there's a, the seawall doors are there and, and they may not yeah. want to put it in something that may be more, less a flood. Um, yeah. I will, we also did do at this point, we did the fortress explorations as well, um, which is, it's okay. I, you know, it's interesting in that it's this, it's kind of the um, Tom Sawyer Island for this park. You know, you climb stuff. Okay. You know, you you touch buttons or like turn cranks and things happen. And uh, like there were some telescopes that didn't work. I don't know what the deal was with that. Hmm. Um, I was like, do I put coin in you? Like, I don't understand. And then I just they just weren't working or uh, something like there's a boat that you can go explore uh, the Magellan. You could, basically, it's a it's an area to explore is the way to put it. It's it's at your leisure at like your leisure. Yeah, exactly. Like you just you wander around, you look at stuff. Um, there's like a game sort of thing that you can play uh, if you understand Japanese that involves some of the stuff that's there. And there's some stamps I think related to it. 
We get like a little mm-hmm. a little game card. We didn't yeah. do that. We just wanted to press buttons and see what happened. Like I I tried to do stuff like I, I thought like maybe I'd get something to happen if I lined up all of the planets in the big <laughs> observatory room. Like maybe that would, you know, trigger Zeus or something to appear, but nothing happened. <laughs> that was a lot of effort actually to sit there and try and get the damn things to be pretty accurate and, and lined up in a row, but what are you gonna do? Um but, you know, it's cool. Again, you know, I totally get why there are people who think, like, this is the best park ever. Like, in a way, it's kind of like this, like, Discovery Zone-ish, like, you know, playscape sort of thing, but for adults in a very, you know, safe, controlled environment. You know, you get to go explore a ship, but it's not necessarily like a ship that has, like, any kind of nasty connotations or negative history to it. <laughs> It's just, you know, it's a fake boat that you can you can ascribe whatever wonder you want to onto the situation. And, you know, if that's the kind of escapism you're looking for, like Disney Sea definitely has it. Like you can you can take that bridge back that looks like it belongs in, in Florence, Italy, you know, into Mediterranean Harbor. Or you can, you know, go on a different pathway and go more into Port Discovery and, and get different popcorn flavors. Um and, you know, it's all cool and you get to look at stuff. But, you know, the one thing I will say is that it's not necessarily functional. Like, it doesn't it doesn't really do anything necessarily. It's just something, like, you can play with for a little bit, um, which is fine. But, I, you know, I don't know that it would bring me back if I were a local. Like, if I would be p- pumped as hell to go, like, you know, turn crazy yeah, again. Yes, with your Duffy plush. <laughs> okay. And his new spring <laughs> outfit, Alan. Yeah. Like, that's what they... Yes, I know, that's the thing. I know, they have the platforms. <laughs> There's platforms everywhere. That's in Cape Cod. Yeah. The, it's du- every, the Duffy I mean, land. There, there, are, there are platforms all over the place where you're supposed to place your Duffy so you can take a scenic picture of him. Yes. I mean, I, that's what know, the locals do. I know. <laughs> At least the locals that, that populate that park on a frequent basis. Yes, yes. you're right. They, they get their snacks and their Duffies and they take pictures. It's great. They stay out of your way. Except in in line for all the rides. <laughs> Except when Alan's in line, they cut and touch everything. Yeah, it, like, okay, so it doesn't happen all the time. It did happen Journey to the Center of the Earth. It happened, uh, like I said, it happened like multiple times in the opening minutes at uh, Toy Story Mania. Like we actually saw a cast member be like, oh, you need to join your friends and like pick up a rope and let somebody go under. Which we were like, our minds were blown. We were like, this doesn't compute. Like this, this is like this is like binary code, and someone throws in a two. <laughs> You're like this. This is not what's supposed to be here. This is not supposed to happen. I was promised. I was promised cake, and then there's this instead. I don't. I don't even know what to make of this. Um, but it it, it, did, it doesn't happen all the time. But yeah, it happens. And you know what? Honestly, like it happens about as frequently as most other parks in America. You probably don't even notice that happens. You know, because like, oh wow, somebody joined their family, like big fucking deal. Like, are you that are you that like that hard up about like everyone needing to stay in line permanently? Like, no. Not unless you're like a literal fascist. Like, come on, no. Um so anyways, yeah, I mean that, that you know, you'd see stuff like that every once in a while, and yes, they're in line for the rides. Uh they love Duffy, they love their popcorn buckets. But boy, howdy, they may even love Soren more than that. Um, <laughs> because they're in line for that fucking ride for three, four hours. And they seem totally ecstatic about it. Like, it was the best thing that's ever happened to any of them. 
Uh, in fairness, there is a very low birth rate there, and sexlessness is a big thing in Japan. <laughs> so it's worth pointing out that that is also factually true. Um, going back over to Disneyland, we spent the evening there. We did kind of did like all the B-list stuff um, that was available to us because Critter Country was not open until the last day that we were there. So we did uh, like Jungle Cruise, which we don't understand anything that's happening, though we kind of know because it's cool, Jungle right? Cruise. There's the projection effects that take place yeah. inside the temple, which are kind of cool. You know, involves a tiger. So, yeah. Um, we did tiki birds, or did, you know, whatever the hell you call that thing at this point. Um, featuring Stitch, I think. Yeah. And uh, they, gave, they gave us translation devices, which was nice of them. Um, yeah. Yep, that happened. I mean, mostly we were there to ride Pooh. And, you know, see what else we could do. We also got on Monsters, Inc. again, and we also did um, Roger Rabbits, which I've never been a big Roger Rabbit fan. I've never really loved that ride. It's it's okay. Like, it's fine. But I, I never got that excited about it. Um, if other people did, that's cool. You know, it's just that never, never was my thing. Um, one thing that was closed while we were there because of uh, the new land. I mean, it's it's the same as it's the same as the Disneyland one. So if you've been on that, like you know, it's just that this time it's in Japanese. Right. So you know, Roger Rabbit's like, and you're like okay, <laughs> sure, <laughs> absolutely, all right. Um, last day we were there, we started at Disneyland and then went to Disney Sea because uh, we had to get Big Thunder Mountain because it, you know, just had to. Uh, no, we had to go for Splash Mountain. We actually did Big Thunder Mountain the day prior. Big Thunder Mountain, it's good. Like it more than Disneyland's. Probably like it about as much as Disney World's and the, like Paris is on a different level. So good ride. Theming's good on it. Fun. Doesn't do anything too wild, but, you know, whatever. It's a Disney coaster, right? Like, you don't expect that. Um, Splash Mountain there is it was what we targeted uh, because Critter Country had been closed. So the train was closed, the Western Railroad. We did that as well, which is a lot of fun. Again, you know, it's it's interesting to take the ride, and it's kind of more like a Dollywood thing where you're not getting off anywhere. You're just taking it all the way around once, uh, and you go past, you know, all this stuff that is kind of incongruous to uh, what you would expect. Because it has the dinosaur stuff, like at Disneyland, wedged into it, in addition to all the Western paraphernalia that as you go by the rivers of America or whatever the hell it is, rivers of somewhere, um, rivers of critters. I, I don't fucking know. Um, you know, you, you see that stuff as well. So I, I, I definitely like the train. We skipped the boat, skipped the canoes. I feel like nothing would be worse than just smashing my canoes or, or my paddle into a bunch of Japanese people's paddles and they're all like, so sorry, so sorry. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And we just go nowhere or just constantly turn in a circle. Um, I wanted to avoid that as much as possible. Like, I didn't want to have to apologize to them. They should have to apologize for me because I'm an interloper. Um, it, it was just a bad situation for everyone. So so we did that. And um, uh, we did Splash Mountain. Very good. Um, it's definitely splashy. Wasn't too wet. Uh, rarely is. Um, it's a good ride. I mean, I you know, I, I I don't think I can reasonably rate my favorite Splash Mountain versus somebody else's. But pretty much all the stuff in the ride worked like you would expect it to, coming fresh off a of rehab. 
Mm-hmm. So that was aren't great. The, aren't the boats bigger? Uh, they're two across. So, yeah. you know, they're cool. I liked it. Um, on the way out after we rode Pooh again, because God bless this fast pass system. Uh, we, we also rode splash or uh, space bomb once more too. Um, on the way out, uh, once they'd opened up that area, that, um, the, uh, the critter country area, they had also opened up a path that basically went dead through the new section for beauty and the beast. So I was able to get some pictures of that, which I shared on Twitter and, uh, a bajillion people liked them. And, uh, except I blocked a lot of people that probably would have enjoyed them and shared them more because I just don't want to deal with those people anymore. So <laughs> I blocked, like I said, I blocked almost everybody that I saw that had Epcot in their name. Um, it was just time. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, we went back to Disney Sea. The main thing was to go on Aquatopia because that was like the one thing that we were really missing there. We did that. Um, we rode um, rode Sidbad again because Sidbad's great. We did Magic Lamp Theater. Um, which I would classify as a mild mistake on my part to do. I mean, if you're interested in seeing an animatronic snake with the cartoon eyes that was done like, you know, a decade before little mermaid. Cool. Unfortunately it comes with like a live show that you're not going to fully understand. And just as weird. I mean, it's okay. I, it's like the family. It's like the most family friendly version of, of Terminator two 3d. I can imagine. <laughs> Is the way I would put Magic Lamp Theater. Um, it's not terrible or anything. It's just it's there. And again, I don't speak Japanese. I don't pretend to. I never pretended to. Uh, there's no way I was going to learn. And so, uh, yeah, that happened. So at that point, we, we headed for the gate and we went to go check into our hotel. And I don't believe that we did. Yeah, we didn't do any parks that evening uh, after we got into Tokyo. We just kind of hung out a little bit and um, got a little bit of the lay of the land. Um, so any any questions you guys have before I go into my closing thoughts about Tokyo Disney? Do you go to Magellan's? I'm sorry? Do you go to Magellan's or? No. Magellan's didn't have anything vegetarian, so can't do it. Sorry. Tater Roosevelt Lounge? I wanted to, but we just kind of, it's like weird because you have all this time and then you just like, you somehow run out of it. I was yeah. like, you know, I, I wanted to go there and get drinks. Yes. I thought it was going to be really cool inside. I have no doubt that it probably is. Um, I think it's probably fantastic based on the pictures that I've seen. And it's a bit of a bum writing it to go. But, you know, what are you going to do? Like, doesn't always work out. So um, next time, save it for next time. Same thing with like the Venetian. Uh, uh, whatchamacallit. Oh, the Venetian gondolas. Boats, the gondolas. Like. I did do. The, I did actually take the uh, the the paddle wheel all the way around. That was mm-hmm. cool. I love the paddle yeah. wheel. Um, but the gondolas, I was in the strange position of like, you know what? I didn't even do a gondola in Venice. <laughs> like, do I want to do a gondola in fake Venice? And I was like, yeah. Like, I'm not gonna wait 30 minutes for this. Like, I'm sure it's cool, but it's kind of you know, it's kind of a basic loop and. I can see everything that it sees from ground level pretty easily. Um, the hotel, by the way, really good. And I, at some point I should post on, on Parkscope pictures of the room service menu. I've never seen a picture of the room service menu from inside Miracosta. I have all of them. Hell so. yeah. Get that SEO, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so some quick closing thoughts. Uh, Miracost is a really nice hotel. I love having pajamas. I stole all the toothbrushes uh, <laughs> and everything else that was labeled that seemed, you know, acceptable to steal. I did not steal the pajamas, though. And large do fit a fat American. So if you're about 230 and six foot tall like I am, yes, you'll fit into the large pajamas. You'll be fine. They have elastic waistbands. They're comfy. Also, the room gets really cold. Um, we got to like 17 Celsius, which is like 62 degrees Fahrenheit. And when it's like 100 outside, you're, you're happy about that. Um, beds were pretty soft. Uh, the pool required a $20 surcharge. What? Yes. I'm not making it. was a, a 2,000 yen surcharge to use the pool. Um, I'm not going to say how much I spent per night on this hotel to not have a pool. Let's just say it was like a lot. Let's say it was a sizable sum of money for my three nights. Um, I did get to see whatever their new nighttime show is being performed at 730 in the morning (laughs) in practice runs. Uh, It seems to involve characters and floats. They use two stages and they sing some songs and then also speak in Japanese. And I can assure you that it is of absolutely no interest to me whatsoever, but it may be of interest to you. So if you're excited about a bunch of floats with people in character outfits and dancers and some pyrotechnics, then it's probably right up your alley. Um, Didn't go to any live shows outside of the Magic Lamp Theater for essentially the reason that I'm not really a big theme park shows guy. I asked my wife if she cared. She's like, no. Uh, again, you're kind of dealing with A, a language barrier, B, like, you know, in the best case scenario, you're looking at like a really fancy version of a cruise ship show. And so it didn't really do anything for us. I don't know if you did any shows, Mike. I can't remember from your podcast. I did listen to it, by the way. Um, we uh, we did Big Band Deep. Okay. Yeah. What, what, were you happy? Like, was that something that like you were really stoked about? Was it like really good? Uh, Lane made it happen and I enjoyed myself. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah i mean we, you didn't, can use... we didn't go out of our way to do it like we were able to go to like to ticket machines by the gondolas and get tickets for it later in the day and gotcha. it just worked out and you get to sit down for an hour like it's good yeah i mean like i could have entered the show lotteries for it right it would have been really easy with the app which you can do that as well but meredith was like no i i did not come to japan to watch you know, Mickey Mouse and big band jazz music. Right? In the last day, Ann and I saw some weird show in Lost River Delta that was really cool with projection mapping, but we were so tired by that point. And, of course, language barrier that we just kind of slept through, I think. <laughs> uh, the popcorn is good yes. at, at Tokyo Disney. There's a lot of different popcorn. It's all tasty. Um, we tried to, to stick to more of like the straight, you know, slightly strange flavors like curry flavors and things like that. Or uh, butter and uh, like black pepper, uh, which was also at our hotel too. Oh, um, we had that available to us in the lounge pretty much every day. Um, try to think what else to to mention here, real quick. Um, before I get like deeper into it, yeah, I mean, look, the parks are really good. Um, I, I don't think that they're the end all be all, but. I do think there's some stuff that they do that's a lot better than the American parks because it's not Disney that runs it. I think that's the reason why pricing for food is appropriate for a human being. (laughs) 
I mean, you can buy a soda for less than five dollars kind of thing or like like food. You don't feel like you're constantly being ripped off. You can get like a decent meal for a decent price. You can um, snack without feeling like you're getting scammed. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you can you can go buy a churro for like like five five bucks, basically, or less. I mean, it's totally reasonable, totally reasonable pricing for a theme park. Um, you know, we're spending far less money on food there than we would if we went to Cedar Point, for example. So, you know, I, I really do like that about it. Uh, the upkeep on the rides is, is generally very good. I didn't perceive any major issues. But, you know, right now there's also a lot of big rehab work that's going on. There's, you know, yeah. uh, Mount Prometheus is covered in scaffolding. You know, uh, after within a day of, of journey to the center of the earth closing, they had the entire, you know, shoot where it goes, you know, into its big drop uh, covered up to go do work on it. Um, and I'm sure it'll be there for a little while while they work on it. Um, you know, they're they're building an entire new section to uh, to Disneyland. The the entryway to Tokyo Disneyland is being redone quite heavily as well. And there's a lot of construction walls and it's a little cramped. It's a little cramped over there. Uh, you know, if there's going to be a real complaint that I have about the park it's it's specific more to tokyo disneyland um i've heard there have been some people that you know kind of like they're the people that won't say it publicly but they'll message me and be like you know actually it's a really dated looking park very much so and it is and more than being dated i think its major issue is it has no shade i mean none i've never been to a more shadeless park in my life I've been to some pretty shadeless parks, globally, domestically, whatever. Like, it, it just has huge, huge tracks of blacktop that they've painted. There's, there's no islands of trees or anything like that in between to try and, you know, color it up. Um, I mean, this, is, this, is, this sounds like a strange comparison, but if you look at the way... If you, if you look at the ground at Tokyo Disneyland, with the exception of the new area that they're building... It's it's basically paved in the cheapest way possible, just asphalt yes. and paint. Yeah. And then you go to something like the Magic Kingdom and you see the new Fantasyland and it's very different. Like there's all sorts of different patterns with concrete, with paving, pressed concrete. Like it, it looks like they spent a lot of money on that versus what they did at Tokyo Disneyland. Tokyo Disneyland also, it's kind of like a small park. Like there's one loop around the castle and that's pretty much it. Um, oh, I should note, I did do the castle. We went up and took the elevator, saw the glass slipper. Uh, I did see somebody, like, you know, uh, wiping down, like, one of the glass cases to get rid of fingerprints, which also establishes that there are fingerprints. I just want to say that. <laughs> and, and we saw the country bears, which are yeah. in Japanese. And we heard a Japanese rendition of Aki Breaky Heart performed by a robot bear. So that happened too. I should, I did, I sh definitely don't want to leave that out. Um, the Bears, I guess, get like four different shows throughout the year, and they cycle them around. I think, it, I think there's two stages in there based on the number of doors that we saw. I don't know how that works. Maybe I'm wrong. I could totally be wrong, but it was, it's fine. They seem to like it in Japan, so hopefully it sticks around there for a while. Um, anyway, so so Tokyo Disneyland feels. Very cheap. 
in a way that a lot of the parks here in the U.S. do not anymore. And and that is not necessarily like a huge problem for me because like I go to Six Flags, right? And Six Flags feels pretty cheap too sometimes, but it's a little, it, it doesn't really compute with the whole like Disney Tokyo is the most lush and incredible thing ever versus the reality of what that is. Um, but luckily it still has an incredible pirates. It still has a, a very good big thunder mountain. It still has poo. And as long as you have those three rides and a decent collection of other stuff, which it does, like even the stuff where I'm like, it's the worst fantasy land. Like it's still pretty good. It's still better than, you know, complete trash or, you know, a collection of random Zamperla flat rides built five years ago that break down constantly. Um, yeah, I think that oh, it has Splash Mountain too. Splash Mountain's great there, you know, and probably Haunted Mansion. I'm sure is very good if I got to ride it. Um, yes, Haunted Mansion is lazily put in Fantasyland. I don't care what anybody says as an excuse. It's obvious that they just like plunked it there to save time and money and space and not to do anything. It's not themed to anything. It's just kind of thrown in there, like it was cut and paste. Um, I know that they say that spirits in Japan are fantasy. I didn't know if they were reality in America. That was news to me. <laughs> I was unaware that ghosts are real here and not real in Japan. So, you know, that was that was very interesting to find out uh, after I returned. So, um, anyways, yeah, they're really good. XPRE is uh, basically your run-of-the-mill, you know, top-end Asian shopping mall that just so happens to be around Tokyo Disney and it has lots of food in it. And I would probably eat more there because there's a lot more veggie options uh, across the board at that place than there are inside the parks where I had to go back and spend more time. And I'd probably also not stay in Miracosta. I'd probably want to try Tokyo Disney um, or maybe even the ambassador just to see what those are like. They, they seem especially Tokyo Disneyland hotel looks really cool. And and has an almost equally impressive, you know, view of a park as does Miracosta. Um, so I'd say Disney Sea, really good park. You know, probably eight point five nine out of ten. You know, Tokyo Disneyland's like an eight out of ten type thing. Both really good. You know, both top end stuff. Not the best parks in the universe, but that's okay. And. I'm also okay with not trading like Magic Kingdom, like Disney Disney World for that. Like Disney World for all the stuff that has with all the resorts, you know, I don't play golf, but has it has like a, a really nice mini golf course. It has a real golf course. It has balloon rides at its downtown Disney. It has the NBA experience for the five people that go to it. It has <laughs> the wide world of sports. It has um, so there's like minor league baseball that takes place there. You have four theme parks with with all sorts of different attractions. Like, I'm happy that I have that. Uh, as busy as it is, as congested as it is, as imperfect as it is, versus Tokyo Disney and trading that for this sort of idealistic theme park that people tell me is the greatest thing ever. Um, and that's kind of my take on it. And, of course, Disneyland Resort is still my favorite. Um, and, yeah, so but we had a really good time. Like, I, I don't want to sit here and demean what Tokyo Disney is like, it's one of the best theme park resorts on the planet. It's definitely better than Paris, like hands down, no question. Um, it's super fun. Lots of great rides. And if you're a Disney person and you're, you're really one of these people that's like demanding hyper immersion, you're probably really going to get a lot out of, of Tokyo Disney. Sea, even if it does have a bunch of flat rides, 
and roller coasters with exposed supports and track. Just saying. They're there. Um, any other questions? Anything else anyone wants to throw at me before we get into the other stuff? I think that may be it for Disney. Might as well cover the other stuff real quick because we're approaching two hours. <laughs> yes. So the other stuff. So I, I'll go through it like kind of in a park by park basis uh, rather than, you know, trying to, to sit here and, and do it in a, a narrative sense. Haniashiki, which is located, uh, it's, it's actually owned by the Togo company and then was sold to Bandai, uh, the famous toy and electronics company. Um, it is quite well located for tourists. Uh, it's very close to the Sensoji, uh, Sensoji, um, temple, which is a major temple in the middle of, of Tokyo. Um, it's near the Asakusa station, I think. It's the oldest amusement park in Japan. It started operations in the 1850s. It's still there. It has the oldest roller coaster in Japan, which is very interestingly titled Roller Coaster. Um, it was built in 53. It's not a very long ride. It does have one really big piece of airtime, like one really gnarly drop, and that's pretty much it. It, it encircles the entire park. Uh, which it should be noted is a weird, weird park, as all the parks that we would go to are. Also empty. There was nobody there. Um, there's a couple flat rides. There's a drop tower. Hanyashiki has its own professional wrestling organization that occasionally does things on like Friday nights or something like that. Um, it has a disco. Uh, we did the Skyship, which is a uh, suspended monorail. Uh, I... I went ahead and skipped a lot of stuff there, but but the two main things that I, I want to communicate to people about are Thriller Car and Surprise House. Surprise House is uh, it's kind of like a, uh, uh, a madhouse, like a Vacoma madhouse, but very small and homemade and spins an extremely high rate of speed, but only for about 20 seconds and it's over. Weird, weird, weird thing. Thriller Car is a dark ride. Um, we had been told that there was a dark ride at this park that at some point during the dark ride, like you encounter a like a, a statue of a child pissing, <laughs> like or like an animatronic of a urinating child, and we never saw such a thing. Okay. So good. that wasn't there. Um the ride starts by having you go on this electric track outdoors, like kind of through what looks like somebody's like shittily made greenhouse. And then you go through some dark ride scenes and then the ride's over. It's, it's nothing spectacular. Um, it's definitely there. I, I definitely wrote it. Um, there's something called the 3d theater, which we never saw. We, we couldn't find what the entrance to that was or the ghost house. Ghost house is a, uh, popular Japanese style attraction. Basically what the attractions consist of is you go, you go into a room, you sit down, you put on headphones and it mutters like scary things to you in Japanese through the headphones while the lights go on and off in the room. Hmm. That's the attraction. We did not do that because it again, doesn't seem very scary if you don't know Japanese. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. Uh, next park to go down the list here to do, do, do. Uh, then we go to Toshiman. Toshiman 
may have been our favorite non-Disney park. Uh, Toshiman is kind of on the outskirts of Tokyo. It has three actual roller coasters. There's the corkscrew, which is a aero corkscrew, pretty much, you know, you know, run of the mill type <clears throat> of ride from the seventies. Mm-hmm. Has the mini cyclone, which is the kitty coaster, and the cyclone, which for some reason has log shaped cars. Um, Toshiman is again a very strange park, as they all are. None of them are normal. None of them make any sense. Cyclone, unlike every other coaster we encountered in Japan, had minimal restraints. It only had a seatbelt. And it had suede seats. I I don't know how that's possible, but it, it definitely had suede seats. And it was it was built in 65, and it was like a weird steel version of the Beast, where it was all ramps and one helix indoors. But it was really fun. We actually enjoyed it. We rode it multiple times. Hmm. Um, this park has two rides of particular value that are not coasters. One is the carousel. The carousel is the Eldorado carousel. It operated in Coney Island, New York mm-hmm. until 1968 and then came over to Japan for the 1970 Osaka Expo and has been there ever since. It was built in Germany at the turn of the 20th century and it is phenomenally gorgeous. Um, it, it needs to be restored, but even in its unrestored state, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous carousel. It, it has three distinct levels where you can sit on the carousel and each of the levels spins at a different rate of speed while the ride moves. And the whole thing is done in this art nouveau fashion, both the horses, the exterior of the ride, there's these mirrored pillars that completely surround the ride. I mean, it's incredible. Hmm. Then there's the dark ride mystery zone. Uh, Mystery zone has some dinosaur bones on the exterior of the dark ride there's nothing that really tells you what it is. That was the scariest dark ride I've ever done, hands down. Interesting. Not because it like tried to scare me with like big, loud noises or anything. It was quiet. There was only one jump scare on the whole ride, but everything else was very quiet. And like you would roll silently past a scene of like a burning house. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> with like a, a body in it. Like it was. It was. It was fucking wild. There was like you just like roll past a crucifixion here, like sobbing or just like crunching sounds in the distance. Like it was really, it was way better than it probably, like in my mind, it was perfect. Probably everyone else is like, why isn't there sound to this ride? But I was like, this is perfect. Every dark ride should be bereft of sound. (laughs) Like all the loud buzzers and whacking of doors and everything. I had none of that. It was just like, just slow rolling and just seeing horrible things. Uh, So mystery zone at Toshiman. Highly recommend. Uh, next park on the list is going to be Tokyo Joyopolis or Joy. I'm sorry, Tokyo Joypolis. I always want to say Joyopolis for some reason. Um, this opened as Sega Joypolis back in the 1990s. It's located on some reclaimed land. You get there by taking the monorail. Uh, the, the main reason to go there as a theme park coaster guy is what's called Gekyan Live Coaster. Uh, it was previously known as Bale of Dark. I'm going to let you have three chances, Mike, at guessing at what the hell the theme to Gekyan Live Coaster is. If Mike. If he's even here. He may, have, fall, he may have fallen asleep. He may have decided this is, this is past him. Um, so 
it is themed to a Japanese boy band. Oh, God. <laughs> and you play a rhythm game while riding the roller coaster using three buttons placed on the over-the-shoulder restraint. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, like, Dance Dance Revolution. Uh-huh. As you go past all these different screens before it launches you, uh, also it spins. It's a Gerslauer spinning coaster yeah. with a tire launch and a barrel roll. So it goes upside down <laughs> while you're spinning. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. Very interesting ride. We went there with Aki. Aki was very cool. Uh, we hung out with him and, and did some different stuff there. We also did uh, Team Lab Borderless, which is uh, a very um, – it's an immersive art exhibit type thing. A lot of uh, projections uh, versus like physical objects for the most part, but still pretty cool. I, I don't know that I would necessarily rush out and – promote it in the same way that it would something like meow wolf or or other world but it was still cool um next park on the list is going to be tokyo dome city uh tokyo dome city is located near tokyo dome surprise surprise hmm. it has two roller coasters one of which is the intamin hyper coaster thunder dolphin ah yes uh, which is a weird ride uh it's not very long it has a one very big drop. I guess it's a couple of big drops, but you know the first drop is the major drop. It has a whole section on top top of this building that it just kind of waves back and forth for no real reason. Um, it's definitely not the best hypercoaster ever built, but it is not bad. The problem is the loading procedure. Um, in order to ride Thunder Dolphin, first you are shown a placard in English or Japanese describing the potential you know negative health effects of riding thunder dolphin <laughs> once you agree to this you then have to empty your pockets and when i say empty your pockets i mean turn them inside out and remove everything whether it be tissues whether it be flyers whether it be money anything has to come out of your pockets okay uh i wear glasses so i had to remove my glasses strap and was given another glasses strap <laughs> the approved official, glasses strap an approved thunder dolphin glasses strap then after that happens, you are inspected by another person who asks you to open up all of your pockets and show you have nothing in them. Uh, in which case, that person then shows you to which uh, seat you're supposed to sit in. We got front seat, which was pretty cool. Totally random. Uh, then after you're, you get in your row, another person comes by and checks you again to make sure everything is out of your pockets. And then after... The train comes back and they let everybody off and everyone gets their stuff from their lockers and then leaves the platform. Then they open the gates. You go go through the train. You drop everything off into the locker. Luckily, they don't give you a key. They used to give people keys. So they used to give people a loose article after taking all the loose articles, <laughs> articles out, of out of the pocket. Yeah. Um, but now they don't do that because they only send one train at a time. So, like, the cycle time on this is about 10 minutes. It's It's a very unfun wait. I don't recommend it. The other ride at this park, which very few people know about because it's new, is Panic Coaster Bakdan. Okay. It is built by Gerslauer. Okay. It has it has a tire launch. Okay. It has, it has projection effects. Uh-huh. It, it appears to be themed to bombs. <laughs> bombs. Like like the bomb from like the Nintendo Mario game. Yeah. It's like it's kind of bombs. Like, one bounces around, explodes, then you launch. Uh-huh. And you go around the track, and then you come back to the station and 
you're you're in the station, but you're facing almost like backwards. Uh huh. That switches the track, and then it launches you again. And when it relaunches you, then uh, you go through this whole sequence of like crazy, like lit up bulbs, like the bob, like those bombs, but like on platforms everywhere, lit up in a million colors. I see. It makes no sense, and there's a boingy sound, and this is the best part. Your loose articles on this right, instead of going into a locker, you're given a beach bag. <laughs> and you place everything in your beach bag, and then you take the beach bag with you. <laughs> what? That's insane. So oh. we did that. Oh, and there's a there's a dark ride at Tokyo Dome City, which is called like Reef Master. Oh, it's called The Reef. Mm-hmm. It is a stand-up shooting dark ride. Okay. It has like shotguns, like almost like a something you expect from, more from like Time Crisis or something like that, rather than like the Lethal Enforcers type pistol. Like a big gun that you shoot at targets, and the whole car spins around and turns in a very small space. Very, and and you stand up the whole time on like hmm. a bike seat with like a you don't even have like a belt or anything. You just stand there. Um, last park, Yomiuri Land. Uh. Four coasters of that park. One one coaster bandit is a kids coaster built by Hui Sango. It's there. I wrote it. Um, bandit is basically the 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 grandparent, the grandpappy of all hyper coasters. It's the ride that Dick Kinzel saw in a magazine and decided to build Magnum off of. Um, Togo built it in 1988. Mm-hmm. It has over-the-shoulder restraints, which is, you know, definitely a negative. Uh, I wrote up front and in the back the the lateral, like basically the transitions on this are getting a little rough. I guess at one time it wasn't so bad, but there's definitely some jolts here and there. It's not the best ride. There's a couple moments of good airtime over the five thousand plus feet of track. It's a striking looking ride, a very striking looking ride. Uh, but you know, it was it was honestly a little bit underwhelming for me. Um, the park also has Momonga standing and loop coaster, which has both a stand up train and a sit down train. And the track slides back and forth, kind of like Mr. Freeze did it at six flags over Texas to accommodate which train goes on the track at that point. Uh, and you choose to stand or sit down for the ride. I rode both trains. Meredith only rode the sit down side. It's a very short coaster. It's really not bad, actually. Um, it's kind of weird to write a Togo stand-up again because it's been so long since I last was on one. It's been about 10 years. And then there's Spin Runway. Spin Runway kind of follows the uh, the desire for everyone to build some sort of video game into a roller coaster in Japan. Uh, on this specific one, you end up playing... It has a bunch of dark ride scenes, first of all, where I think his name is Land Dog, who's the mascot for the park is getting into fashion okay, and is going to make clothes. And this ends up leading to him getting ready to have a runway show. And then as you ascend the lift for spin runway, you basically play a version of uh, flappy bird. Okay. Did not expect, did not expect that one. Yeah. And like it has a wraparound led screen as you go up the lift hill, which is a round lift hill. So you're playing it the whole way up 
And then we spun like crazy on that ride. We must have been weighed all wrong because it just spun endlessly. Actually, the same thing happened to us at Joy Polis as well. Like we spun forever and I had to close my eyes and ask when it was done. <laughs> um, Yomi Yuri Land also has a dark ride in which you you, uh, you shoot poachers. Okay. Like you're in the jungle and you shoot poachers, um, which is interesting for sure. But but what it really has that's great is the UFO ramen ride. UFO ramen. Yes. There is a, a ride based on UFO ramen from Nissan. It is a raft ride. Okay. It gets better. I don't know if it could, but here we go. It also has a video game component. Okay. With projection project, projection screens placed directly above the ride vehicle in which you uh, basically have to fight an evil ramen character who's trying to steal the ramen. Okay. Like an evil ramen man on behalf of the good ramen man who is, you know, covered in the UFO noodles sponsorship. And there's a, there are multiple steps in terms of, like, this gameplay, as well as the raft ride itself, which has, like, a huge, like, 30-foot indoor drop. And you pass by a, a tea kettle outside that pours water on you. Like, okay. It is phenomenal. It's good. Um, it's probably the best ride at that park. The new stuff there, which is all kind of, like, based around, like, professions or something, they have that, they have a car thing, and they have the spin runway like fashion food and technology i guess is the way it's kind of split up is actually all really good it's all, it's all very well done um everything else in the park is a bit dated uh which you kind of expect yomiuri line is also an interesting park because you take a, a sky ride to get into it when you get off the train station walk across the street there's a there's a cable car and it's about a 15 minute ride uh, probably not a 15 minute ride, maybe more like 10 minute ride on a cable car into the park. It's so hot, they give you a battery powered fan <laughs> to just run on yourself to try and stay cool because it's it was that hot. Oh, geez. That's rough. And the, the park that we wanted to get to that we did not get to on this trip was Yokohama Cosmo World. Mm -hmm. It was tragically closed due to the typhoon which hit when we were there on the next to last night. Uh, we went to Yokohama anyways. We ended up um, going up to the top of the whatever the tallest building is in Yokohama. We got to see Mount Fuji, which was cool. And we did a lot of other Tokyo stuff. I mean, we had a couple days. We had several days where we went to no parks at all and, you know, went to temples. We went to museums. We went to the National Museum in, in Tokyo. Um, we went to Nakano Broadway, which is this shopping mall on the outskirts of town where you can buy all the nerdiest goods you could ever want and also an ice cream cone with 10 flavors on it. Um, I went to a boxing match at Corican Hall, which is kind of like the spiritual center of uh, martial arts and professional wrestling in Japan. Interesting. Uh, I, went, I went to that. Very on brand for you. Very on brand. Um, did a lot of stuff like that. So it was it was a good combination of like, and I, I learned, I taught myself, uh, with some help, obviously, from an attendant, how to operate a pachinko machine. Okay. Uh, I did not win any money. My wife actually did better at pachinko than I did once I showed her what to do. Um, it's loud as hell. <laughs> it's the loudest thing. Like, probably just beneath, like, Top Fuel Dragster and 
jet plates at takeoff is is pachinko parlor. It's really loud, like really, really loud. It's the weirdest system in the world of like, you know, exchange money for chips. Chips become balls. If you win balls, you exchange them for prize. But the prize is actually worth money, but only specifically at a pawn shop located behind the store, mm-hmm. behind the Pachinko shop, which you then traded in and ex- it's exchanged for cash. Like, it's wild. It's something else. Um, anyways, that was that's a very short form version of the Japan, obviously heavy on the parks in terms of the discussion. But yeah, I mean, you know, it was good. I had a lot of fun. Uh, Tokyo Disney's a cool place. Highly recommend, obviously, for any theme park fan to go there. But, you know, don't go in with with totally unrealistic or irrational expectations. It's it's still a theme park. It's a very good theme park. Both of them, they both have lots of cool rides. But, you know, I've I'll admit I've been on better rides. I've been to better parks. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not still cool and it's not still a really good time. And, you know, if you get the opportunity to go out there, definitely do so and, and try to, you know, enjoy some of the local cult- culture as well. And, you know, if you are a theme park fan, man, the Japanese parks are full of weird stuff, like really, really <laughs> weird stuff that you will not see anywhere else. And, and definitely try to focus more on those places. Yeah. You know, I was told like, as much as I wanted to go to Nagashima Spa Land, everyone that, that I knew that, that's been there was like, you don't really want to go there because it, it's too American. Like, it's very much like going to Cedar Point. It feels that way. None of the rides are really weird. Like, you want weird. <laughs> like, if you want weird, like, this is where you want to go. And, and that's where we kind of kept to. Um, last note, again, you know, the theme park industry in Japan uh, is not the strongest, which makes sense. There's not a ton of children out there. Uh, you know, when we arrived, we had two parks on the list, actually three parks on the list to do that we didn't do. One was Cosmo World, closed because of the, the typhoon. Mm-hmm. One was Yokohama Sea Paradise or Hakajima Sea Paradise. Uh, we did not go there because, as it turns out, their largest ride, which is the surf coaster, the Levi- Leviathan Surf Coaster, has been closed for months and may have had an accident, hmm. um, which means it may never open again. That's a huge ride. It's like a 150-foot-tall, non-looping Togo coaster that's like 4,500 feet long. Uh, it's always been a ride that really I found at least physically attractive and intriguing, but that's that's out of the that's out of the question right now. The other thing is Sanrio Puro Land, which has a 10-minute boat ride past you know all the Sanrio characters like Hello Kitty. Huh. Okay. That that ride is closed. That ride closed on September 2nd. It will be down until July of 2020. Wow. So, you know, I, I don't think that qualifies as a rehab. That's like a new ride. So once we found out that that was closed, and again, we, we would never have known that without Aki's help. So again, thank you to Aki at Six Flags Japan uh, for, for helping us out and, and hanging out with us when we were in Japan. Super cool kid. Love that dude. Really great guy. You know, if it wasn't for him being able to look at those Japanese sites and decipher that stuff, you know, because it's not on the English language version at all. It's only on the Japanese. Because um, the English website was probably a project like one of their kids made for them or something like that. You know, it's the, the English version of the San Rio Pureland website has not been updated in three years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you can't use that for anything, unfortunately. And if you go there. And you spend that money, and it's it's a pretty chunk of ca- cash to get into Sanrio Pureland. You will be deeply disappointed 
if the star attraction is not open and it's not going to be for months. So keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to go back to Japan. I'd like to spend some more time at Tokyo Disney and, and maybe have a little bit more of a relaxed pace, knowing that I can skip a whole bunch of stuff there now. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of stuff that I still would like to do at those parks. Uh, I would also like to get out and do some of the other places like Osaka, Nagoya, Kyoto, Hiroshima, mm-hmm. um, some of the other smaller parks that are in that country as well. Like Mitsui Greenland, for exa- example, is a park that I have a lot of interest in. Um, uh, getting out to, uh, God, I'm trying to think of some of the other parks that are out there. There's there's a lot of them. Uh, Suzuki Highland has has some really cool stuff too. Um, there's Hokkaido Greenland also. Greenland's a very popular name. I mean, I guess it means like tree land. Uh, but there's there's a lot of really cool coasters at those parks that are very different than what we've got back home. Um, the jet coaster thing is is real. They definitely like ramps. They're not in, they're not really into drops or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. But that's and yeah, I mean that's you know like I said, Japan's a lot of fun. Um, I'd probably have a different perception of it if it was not the fifty second country I went to, but the twelfth or something. But that's just the way I did things. So uh, yeah, definitely good times and uh, yeah, cool. Props to Japan. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that whole entire you know the culture and the um, the health of the actual uh, industry there, but I think you kind of touched on that enough. Um, because I think it's something very interesting compared to where what it is here. Just to see kind of how it's like, oh, things are closing, things are quiet, there's not really that much growth in, you know, a younger market, and then the older market is not interested in going to the parks really. So it's very interesting to see how that's playing out. Seems like yeah. it, it seems like everything's coalescing around a few parks and not that they're really expanding everywhere. Yeah, the, you know, the thing I would say is like, you know, you go into somewhere like RCDB. And, you know, scroll up and down and look at how many roller coasters have opened in Japan in the last year or two. And it's, you know, or how many are projected to open right now for next year, which is zero. You know, this isn't to say that the only, you know, measure of health is is the construction of roller coasters. But you would expect that a healthy amusement industry would open one roller coaster in a country of 100 million people. Mm hmm. And that's that's not really the case here. I mean, they've had they had you know a couple to open this year with Hakuge and uh, and uh, Bakdan, but for the most part, there's not a lot of stuff opening. Um, it's really mostly about Tokyo Disney Sea and Tokyo Disneyland, which you know have obviously their their base of attendance and, and Universal Osaka, which is the you know the number one park in Japan now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they they each. They all kind of go towards a little bit of an older audience with the exception of Tokyo Disneyland. Um, I know that that was an issue initially for Disney Sea, but the other parks that are that are in Japan, a lot of them just, you know, they're not seeing a lot or any capital investment year after year after year. But they do still have cool stuff. I mean, to- and they're also empty. Like Yoshi or Yobi Yuri Land was pretty much empty. Um, Toshi Main, we were probably one of like 40 people there when we were there. And it has a really good flat ride collection. A lot of really good 1970s, 1980s, 80s era hoose rides. You know, like a hoose condor. They had like three swinging ship rides at that park, with two of them being really massive. Um, so a lot of stuff like that. So 
you know, there's there's other stuff I could certainly mention about Japan, about things that we saw or did, but I think I'll try to keep it mostly to the amusement theme parks thing because that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. And also we're running over two hours now. So Yeah, <laughs> that too. <clears throat> so, Alan, uh, if people want to know more of your thoughts and boxing knowledge and other things of that nature, where can they follow you online at? Uh, they can find me over on Twitter at Gods on Safari. And I, I will have to record a new podcast somewhat soonish. Anyways, because I, I just did another trip. I got home three days later. I was back on the road. So boom, I there you go. To talk about. Yeah, sweet. Uh, you can find me at Parkscope Joe for all my opinions. And uh, you can follow us all on Parks at Parkscope. We'll re retweet news, text out stuff, all that jazz. So we'll get this up soon, which doesn't matter to people listening because guess what that means it's up and you don't care about it i don't know why i said that maybe because i'm just been I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just tired it's been a long day so we'll see you guys later take care and we'll see you next episode